Good evening, everybody. <laughs> um, good evening, everyone. Uh, we are going to call the meeting to order. It is 6.02 p.m., and I'm really excited to call up Riley Brady, a fifth grade student at West Hollywood Elementary, to lead the pledge. Riley, you can come right on up here. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Great job. Wonderful job. I'm going to also call up Nicholas Royball to do the land acknowledgement, please. Good evening, West Hollywood. We would like to begin by acknowledging that the land on which we gather and that is currently known as the city of West Hollywood is the occupied, unceded, seized territory of the Gabrielino Tongva and the Gabrielino Quiche peoples. Thank you so much, Nick. City Clerk, may we have a roll call, please? Thank you. Uh, Councilmember Meister. So, Councilmember Heilman. Here. Councilmember Meister. I'm here too. Councilmember Shine. <laughs> here. Vice Mayor Byers. Here. And Mayor Erickson. Here. We have a quorum. Thank you so much. City Attorney, please provide a readout of the closed session. Good evening. The City Council convened a closed session this evening, which began at 5.34 p.m. There was one piece of written correspondence for public comment. The Council discussed the one item of business listed on the posted agenda, one piece of anticipated litigation, and took no reportable action. The closed session concluded at 5.55 p.m. Thank, Thank you so much, City Attorney Langer. All right, we're going to move to approval of the agenda. Madam City Clerk, are there any changes from staff? No, Mayor, there are no changes from staff. Wonderful. Which one of my colleagues would like to make any amendments today? Councilmember Meister? I can start. Um, to move to consent 6A, direction to work with LASD on vehicular noise. Mm -hmm. And 6B, resolution uh, to condemn conflict in Ethiopia. Sounds good. And then I'd like to ask to pull from consent uh, three items. Uh, 2H, update on major commercial and mixed-use development projects. 2J, update on vacation short-term rental compliance efforts. And 2M is in Mary, temporary public art exhibition by Janet Zweig. Thank you. And are my colleagues okay with taking 2H at the same time as we do... Uh, where is it? 5B. 5B. I, I was sticking fingers. Are we okay with doing those together? It's 5C. Sure. Yeah. Is it 5C? Yeah. So it will be, we'll be taking that one together with the update. 5B. Yeah, it is 5B. Yeah, update okay, on great. capital projects. Yeah. Are my colleagues okay with doing those items together? Wonderful. So uh, just to recap so far, we are moving uh, so far 6B, uh, uh, 6A, 
we are then also removing 2H, 2J, and 2M. Are, are there any other items my colleagues would like to do tonight? Um, can we move 4A or legislative, but I think we should be able to. I'm fine with 4A. I, that's a, looks like a cleanup ordinance. I, yeah, I have um, direction, so I, I mean, I can, I can mention it at, at uh, we can, why don't we do leave you want it? to leave it on? Yeah, let's leave it. Great. All right. It'll be quick. <laughs> promises, promises. Um, are there any other items from my colleagues that? Nope. All right. Sounds good. So we are removing from consent 2H, 2J, 2M, and then moving to consent 6B, which is a resolution condemning the conflict in Ethiopia and standing in solidarity with the people of Ethiopia, and 6A, direction to work with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department to develop a strategy to address vehicular noise in West Hollywood. I have a Council Vice Chair Byers. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Please vote. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Do my colleagues have any adjournment motions this evening? Councilmember Meister. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to ask to uh, adjourn in the memory of Marilyn Joy Shandrick, mother of longtime resident and former Human Services Commissioner Patrick Shandrick. She lived a full life till the age of 94. She passed away filled with care and comfort on January 24th at the Indiana Veterans Home in West Lafayette, Indiana. Marilyn was kind, compassionate, and made people feel special by showing true interest in their lives. She grew up and lived most of her life in the South, in the South Hills, was devoted to family and friends, played volleyball with a group of women for decades, and was enthusiast, an enthusiastic extra appearing in over 20 movies that were filmed in Pittsburgh. She is survived by her sons and their spouses, Michael and Lori, Patrick and Donald, and grandchildren, Caitlin, Corey, and Maggie, and great-granddaughter, Cambria Marilyn. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do any of my other colleagues have adjournment motions? Councilmember Heilman. Thank you, Mayor. I would request that we adjourn in memory of Jeffrey Solomon. Jeffrey was the spouse, the husband of Fran Solomon, our longtime city employee. Uh, he passed away recently. Jeffrey was in the mortgage business, in the real estate business for many, many years. And after he retired from that, he started uh, a walking tour of Venice Beach and did that for many years. And um, he was the love of Fran's life and she was the love of his life. And uh, I know that uh, many people remember Fran, so I would request that we adjourn in his memory. Thank you so much, Councilmember Heilman. Do any of my colleagues have any other motion, adjournment motions? Nope. I would just also like us to adjourn a motion of Cheetah Rivera, who passed away, um, longtime uh, celebrant of the stage and everything else. She brought joy to many people, and I know many people in this community will miss her. Um, all right, moving on. We have um, a few presentations tonight. First, we want to bring back up Riley Brady for doing such an amazing job during the pledge. So come on up, Riley.
congrats again, Riley. That won't get you out of being uh, late to school, but if you give it to your principal, it might help a little bit. All right, next we're gonna do two presentations at the same time. So tonight's all about cats um, over here on, uh, to my left. Um, but tonight we have two presentations, uh, certificates to Anna Walt Lumber and Lux Paws, as well as declaring it Community Cats Day in the city of West Hollywood. Um, so Renee Sotil and MJ Godges, longtime community members, reached out uh, to let me know about an inspiring instance uh, of communi communal unity. Um, tonight, I would like to acknowledge several individuals from Anna Walt Lumber for their exceptional efforts in supporting the city's trap neuter return program by caring for five adult cats and rescuing five kittens. The following individuals went above and beyond by providing food, shelter, and assistance. So we have Adilio Gonzalez, Eduardo Goldstein, Armando Moradel, and then manager Basil Alexander. Additionally, yes, give them a round of applause. Additionally, we have in attendance Jackie from the founder of uh, Lux Paws with us tonight. And Lux Paws is a part-time volunteer street rescue initiative focused on trap, neuter, and return, and rescuing the most vulnerable kittens in neighborhoods and in the LA region. And the ultimate aim is to inspire community-driven spay-neuter model that, if replicated across LA, could help prevent the suffering of unwanted animals on the streets and the euthanization in our shelters. As background, Lux Paws offers guidance and uh, the one and only right over there um, promptly responded by meeting with Anna Walt's staff uh, raise your hand because you went above and beyond uh, and worked together successfully to gather cats and kittens over 24 hours um, Jackie uh, oversaw health checkups for the kittens and ensured their well-being until they were old enough for spaying, spaying and neutering and adoption she also took responsibility for three adult cats the five adults were returned to Anna Walt Lumber where the employees continue to feed and care for them Manager Basil Alexander and the entire Anwalt Lumber team truly embody the spirit of, West of the West Hollywood community. And then additionally, um, community cats, uh, also known as feral or stray cats, live outdoors and have been socialized to, and have not been socialized to humans. These feline communities uh, can be found in urban, suburban, and rural areas. And whereas these cats, uh, can uh, present a problem, two of our exceedingly amazing community members saw and found a solution to ensuring that we played our part in the world to do this. And so the city of West Hollywood extends its gratitude to vested community members and organizations, which include longtime residents and advocates, Renee Sotil and MJ Tomcat, Gadges, uh, for their leadership in advocating for the West Hollywood Community Cats program and helping supporting the community cats in West Hollywood. So I'm going to invite you all up and my colleagues to come down and we'll take another photo. Cats. I don't know if there are cats.
Yes. <laughs> yes, Renee Sotil, resident and community cat hamam to many. Um, so I want to give a quick um, thank you and mention to some of our community cat crusaders. Of course, all of these people, council, the staff, and um, Andrew Harlan for telling us about the Anawal colony. Chi Hong Singh for letting us use his home as a safe holding area for the kittens. Uh, Alan Strasberg for his cat cab services, driving us to and from the Amanda Foundation and safely releasing the cats at Anawal. And a special meow goes to this perfect council. <laughs> council member Meister, your motion creating the TNR program laid the groundwork. And actually, that was the first time I called you, like in 2015. I know I don't think you remember. I was like, "Hi, there's cats," and they're like, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> and no, but then look what happened. Look where we are. And then I laid the groundwork to allow the expansion by Mayor Erickson that now provides the free and local TNR services for our outdoor residents. And you're allergic, so yeah, thank you. definitely. So thank you, thank you to everyone. You want yeah, I, I can't do Tom this. Tomcat? Tomcat, oh, okay. Tom okay. <laughs> I'm Tomcat, West Hollywood community cat. It's not in my wild nature to be indoors around all you humans so close, but I have a tale to tell. I used to fight all the time. The fur was really flying. You probably heard my loud howls in the middle of the night hissing. And at this time, I'd like to take personal responsibility and sincerely apologize to all my kitty baby mamas. It's because of me that you had to give birth two to three times. Two, every two to three months, you had to give birth to litter. So that's, that's not even right. Not, that's not right. But once the West Hollywood Community Cat Program got me fixed, I'm a changed man. Right. A whole new Tom. <laughs> now all I do is make love, not kittens. <laughs> so on behalf of my entire colony, who obviously couldn't be here tonight, I did invite them, but they know they're misunderstood and they're scaredy cats. So we'd like to thank all of you who understand us and care about us, everyone at Anawalt and to Jackie, at Lux Paws, who came to the rescue finding homes for my five youngest babies, my last litter. They were in a construction zone, an active construction zone next to Annabelle. So it's good to know that tonight they are dry and warm and indoors tonight. They all got adopted. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but they are in safe, caring, human hands. And I hope they're purring all the time. I'd be purring too if my wild nature would let me calm down for just a second. But thank you, Council. You give us hope. Pause up. Keep doing what you're all doing. So I'm going to give it a try now for the first time. I'm going to try to purr because this is pure purr. This is pure purr. This is pure perfection. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much. What a great way to. Jackie, yeah. We'll keep it short. Just as an LA city gal, um, I just want to say to the city, to all the residents, it's great to see a humane city really step up for animals. Again, you know, for the cats and to support spay neuter. We need to be doing this all over LA. Thank you for doing this and thanks for being so compassionate. Thank you so much, Jackie. 
All right, we're gonna move on to public comment. The city council values your comments. However, pursuant to the Brown Act, council cannot take actions on items not listed on the posted agenda. The public comment period is limited to 20 minutes with two minutes allotted for each speaker. This public comment period is to address the city council on consent calendar items or items of general interest within the subject matter jurisdiction of the city council. Another period is also reserved for general comment later in the meeting and for those that could not be heard at this time. Public hearing testimony will only be taken at the time of the public hearing. If you go over your two minutes and do not respond to the city clerk's notification, now your time has expired, your microphone will be muted. If you signed up to speak on both consent calendar items and general public comment, as well as an item that was moved to the consent calendar, you may take this time you may take this public comment period to speak on the consent calendar items. You may also sign up to speak during the second public comment period for your general public comment. Lastly, speakers should not bring any items to the podium other than the prepared written statement or, and or writing materials. Madam City Clerk, how many speakers do we have tonight? Uh, thank you, Mayor. We have 10 speakers in chambers and we have one individual in Zoom. Great, let's start with the speaker on Zoom and okay. then we'll go to chambers. as long as it's a consent calendar item. Great. Our first speaker for public comment is Danny Shaker. Danny, go ahead, you'll have two minutes. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, uh, council members and city staff. My name is Danny Shaker with Mother Tree and Edible Lounge Lights and Feeds. Uh, we just want to make a comment on 2F. We're in full support of staff's recommendation to pause um, the timeline for the cannabis licenses to open up and the other details of the recommendation. Um, it, it, it's really absolutely necessary um, to be able to push these licenses forward because the city itself in planning and building safety um, has slowed down the process for us as we still have not been assigned a planner to be able to move our application forward. Um, as of today, we still don't have a planner assigned to us. So thank you very much for hearing me out. And my apologies for not being able to be there in person. Uh, this weather has me a little bit under the weather. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll go to council chambers now. And I see on my screen, the first public commenter is Jackie Subek to be followed by Alex Cardos. Hi, good evening, everybody. Sorry, good evening, I wasn't quite ready. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, I'm Jackie Subek. I'm a 30-year resident, and I am an edibles license lounge licensee. Um, I want to just thank you. I support the staff motion tonight. Um, to support the pause. I think the pause is important right now, understanding that staff is intending on talking to everybody, finding out what everybody needs, taking a minute, and coming back and bringing an ordinance forth in a, in a couple of months. I think a pause is a really fair thing to do right now, and I wanna thank you for that. And um, that's it. Thank you so much, Ms. Subek. Alex Cardos be followed by, I see Danny Shaker, but he commented on Zoom, so we're gonna move next. We're gonna go to Alex Cardos, hello. Next to Scott Schmidt, please. Thank you so much. Just wanted to thank you for supporting item 2F, and um, lots to discuss, but this is a great start. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much, Alex. Scott Schmidt to be followed by Jay Handel. Uh, good evening, Scott Schmidt, resident of West Hollywood uh, for the past three years and uh, specifically in the past uh, since September. I've spoken to you on behalf of Emerald Village, the cannabis tourism marketing organization that's for everyone. Uh, what has become clear in the past two weeks is that um, everyone, our current members and our future members aren't necessarily on the same page of things, so I'm not here in that capacity. I wanted to make that clear. Um, you did uh, receive very late, and my apologies, there was a technical issue, a letter from seven of the current operators um, uh, asking you to, to put a pause on the pause, maybe table it for two weeks. Um, if that's not happening, uh, that's understandable. Um, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that the conversation changed at some point from being about giving more time to those who need it uh, to a conversation about changing the license type. Um, we have tried in earnest to meet with all of the cannabis licensees to work with them to try and find middle ground. And uh, in response, last Friday received a demand that was wholly unreasonable that would have allowed the edible license holders to operate a 3,000 square foot consumption lounge alongside a dispensary. Um, I don't think the residents want that. I don't think that's what the council envisioned uh, when we said we were gonna create non-smoking spaces for people to enjoy cannabis. Um, so. I would request uh, kindly that uh, as you pass this tonight, uh, that you give a direction to staff that you focus the conversation going forward on those deadlines, giving more time, which we understand that is necessary. We've been working to try and, and find that and find equitable solutions to provide those to considerations to those who don't need the more time, more time because they open their businesses. Um, that gives them considerations for the fact that, you know, other people are getting more time, they don't need it, so they should be getting something back. Um, any discussion that goes beyond that, I'm afraid, isn't going to be productive, and I don't want to waste staff's time and the city's money. Thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Jay Handel to be followed by Steve Martin. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Council Members. My name is Jay Handel. I'm the owner of The Woods and Holy Water. Um, I just want to say this. You know, I've had some talks with both sides of this issue. And the reality is this. Every, what I've learned in the last 72 hours is that the edible licenses are having a hard time. They're having a hard time either because of city staff not being able to get planners to work with them or because they don't have the ability to get investors because people don't have faith that this is actually going to work as an edible lounge. Many of the people that you're going to hear or have heard and you'll see on a letter are people that came into this city based on what the rules were, not what the rules might be down the line. This is 1.9 square miles. This is a city that if you do some of the things that I was told that the edible lounges want to do, you would be creating seven mini dispensaries and seven more smoking lounges. And that's not what we all signed up for. I've got over $10 million invested in your city. And it was done based on what we were told the rules were. Changing those rules now jeopardizes financially our investment in this city. Because certainly if you talk to the operators in this city today, it's not working now with what we have. It's going to work a lot less if you go ahead and increase it. I would rather have seen you table this for two weeks and get more discussion internally with staff 
but certainly since you're going on the consent calendar and you're probably gonna run this through, what Scott said I would absolutely endorse, and that is narrow the scope of what staff looks at, you know, look at them individually, see the help they need, give them that time if that's what's necessary. Do not change the rules in mids in mids court now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jay. Steve Martin to be followed by Victor Omenchenko. Good evening, Mayor Erickson and Vice Mayor Byers. Um, it's really hard to. Um, I don't. I just want to reinforce what what Jay said, and because this isn't what the community signed up for. We went through a long, long process. People understood certain rules. And it is a problem if city staff wasn't assigned. But that's an internal problem that you guys should be dealing with. The other issue, though, is the enhancement of these licenses really changes the, the, the game. And, it's, and in a way that's just not fair, it's not equitable, and it, it, the concern of the community is going to result in a proliferation of licenses something that the community did not sign up for. And that's just not fair. Um, just to change uh, subject a little bit, um, I would ask that you guys uh, adjourn tonight's meeting in memory of the three service members who were killed uh, along the border of Jordan and Syria. And, um, you know, the city of Beverly Hills recently put up a monument, uh, 1,400 flags, representing the life of each one of the people who was massacred on October 7th. Each one of those flags also represents the lives of 20 Palestinians that were killed in the Gaza Strip. And I think we need to recognize that between people in Gaza, people on October 7th, U.S. service members, people on the West Bank, over 30,000 people have been killed in this war. 30,000. That represents 80% of the city's population. Think about 80% of your friends being gone. We really need to stand up for what's right, for the humanity of everybody there, and seek peace. So thank you for hearing me out. Thank you so much, Steve. We have Victor Omenchenko to be followed by George Nichol. Good evening, Mayor and Council, Deputy Mayor and uh, uh, Vice Mayor and Council Members. Victor Omolchenko, longtime West Hollywood resident, here to speak on a couple of the consent items. Um, I'm happy that several of them were moved uh, to further discussion because I really think that's important to look at our update on major commercial and mixed-use development permits. Uh, regarding the annual comprehensive financial report 2I, I did pick it up. I think I left it at the desk. I'll go get it in a minute. We will review it, and I trust that you have all reviewed that document because it always has important information in it. Regarding the legislative priorities in the city, I know that we were very happy when our assembly member, Richard Zbor, put in some legislation about if you're disabled and a rent-stabilized person living on the second floor of an apartment building and you meet the criteria, if available, you may be able to move down to a first floor unit and thus retaining your rent-stabilized tenancy. Um, that law was signed into effect by Governor Newsom last fall. I believe it starting date was January 1st. Where are the regulations? Where are the rules? 
how do our residents now avail themselves of this fine legislative accomplishment? Thank you so much for the forthcoming support, hopefully, of the August 18th, third Ciclavia in WeHo. And I just have to comment on number 2P, where we're going to be looking at declaring surplus property at 1047 and 1057 North Crescent Heights. I understand that an RFP will be uh, issued for a nonprofit to build 100% affordable housing. I understand that the state rules though allow also for consideration of the use of such land for parks and recreation as well as educational uh, facilities. So I was just wondering how the public was involved in deciding on this 2P item that it's going to be affordable housing, which I do realize is a worthwhile goal, but I think this is ripe for a community conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Victor. We have George Nickel to be followed by Nicholas Roypal. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Council Members. Um, I'm speaking tonight in support of 6A. Vehicular noise, uh, noise is a problem, and um, as the staff report made very clear, it is not just a quality of life issue, it's a health issue. They quoted the World Health Organization. Um, one of the problems I see um, is enforcement. So there has to be a will. It seems to me that we already have rules on the book that we could enforce this if we want to. Um, I know that, I believe in 2022, Council Majority did pass a rule saying that they would lower the priority of um, certain stops, certain police stops. And um, there's something working the way through uh, um, California Assembly as well, which is SB 50, which could also impact that. The staff report makes clear that what you did do two years ago would not stop the police from doing this. SB 50, it's not quite clear. It does refer to equipment. So perhaps faulty equipment, if it's a muffler, that could, um, that could keep this from being enforced as well. So I would look at that and before we continue to take uh, the ability away from the police to enforce all of our laws, I would just look down the road and see the different types of things that it could um, keep us from enforcing, which can also help not just with public safety, but with people's health as well. So thank you. Thank you, George. And if you want to talk to Hernan in the back, he can explain the differences of that law for you. Nick Roybal, uh, to be followed by Jeff Barton, who is our final speaker. Good evening, Mayor Erickson, Vice Mayor Byers, and Council. First, I want to acknowledge our women, men, and people in uniform that serve the city. They do it outstandingly, so I want to acknowledge them, especially all those present in this room tonight, keeping us safe. That said, I think it would be imperative of us, City Manager Wilson and Mayor Erickson, that we include the three council members of LA City that triangulate our city, and that we bring them and LAPD into this conversation, because I live on Ogden, East WeHo Pride, shout out, and the noise from the copters, whichever service is using them, with the old windows, my goodness, it, it's a problem, and I know Paul Cor former council member Corus of LA City and former mayor here had something on his website and dealt with this issue, but I wonder what can we, in bringing in those three council members, uh, CD4, CD5, and Hugo Martinez, Soto, I, I don't know the council district there, but four, five, and his, if we bring them in along with LAPD into the strategy, whatever that is, 
and deal with it because it's really bad on the east side. And speaking of cats, <laughs> our poor animals. You know, Jenny's opal is now hiding under quilts and blankets and stuff because the sound. I mean, we're on the second floor. It's, you would think, you know, it was Saigon, you know, at certain points. Like, it gets that bad. Um, so if we can involve those three council members, LAPD, and again, another shout out to our understaffed, undervalued, overworked, and underappreciated sheriff's department. Thank you. Thank you so much. And our last speaker is Jeff Barton. Hi there, good evening. Uh, my name is Jeff Barton. I've been a West Hollywood resident since 2009, um, and I'm here to represent our entire community uh, at Doheny Terrace HOA. Um, I'm speaking this evening to strongly put my opinion on the public record regarding council member buyers' uh, um, participation in the appeal related to the 910 to 916 North Weatherly Drive, uh, which will be heard in the next city council, city council uh, meeting on February 20th. Uh, Ms. Byers' partner, Austin Sear, enjoys a professional relationship with Jeffrey Seymour, who is not only the developer's consultant and advocate on this project, but is also listed as the applicant on notices and other official documents related to the project. Uh, clearly, in our judgment, there is a conflict of interest for City Council Member Byers, and she and her partner benefit from this professional relationship. Um, it is well settled that even the appearance of a potential conflict or improprietary, uh, impropriety uh, requires a decision maker on a matter such as this to recuse themselves from the issue. Uh, former council member John Duran's op-ed in WeHoville, which is still available online, articulates all of the reasons why Ms. Byers should recuse herself from this item at the next meeting. Um, we respectfully request that Ms. Byers consider her decision and recuse herself. Um, and second, since I've got 45 seconds, I just wanted to uh, echo the thanks to our, our understaffed and completely overworked sheriff's department. Um, crime in our neighborhood is seemingly out of control. And I wanted to request uh, additional coverage on Cynthia between um, Doheny and San Vicente. Those stop signs are run constantly. I know that there were new uh, right turn only signs put up at the corner. There was already a no left turn sign there, which no one observed, which is why there are accidents there seemingly constantly. So if we could get some enforcement of the new signs and the existing signs, that would be amazing. Thank you much. Jeff, Danny's in the back right there. He'll raise his hand for you, and you can talk to him a little bit more about getting enforcement, and they'll make sure, sure. the sheriff's got that with them. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Mayor? Yes? We have one more individual who wishes to speak on one of the consent calendar items. In chambers? Yes. Sure. Okay. Uh, Isla Tellis? And then this is our final speaker for public comment. Thank you so much, Madam City Clerk. Hello, my name is Ilsa Tellez. I am with Ash Society. We are one of the applicants who won the Edibles Only Lounge, and we are in full support of getting this extension. There were a few items that, um, you know, caused delays, and all the applicants actually benefited from extensions, especially during COVID. So, you know, we have a different business model. We're not coming after the retail licenses, and we would just like an extension for now. Thank you. Thank you so much. City Manager Wilson, please provide us with your report. Thank you, Mayor. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and City Council members. 
Uh, I just have a few updates. Uh, February is Black History Month. To recognize this important part of our history, the City of West Hollywood is hosting various events this month, including the WeHo Reads 2024 Literary Series that begins this week with Inspirations and Intersections, taking place virtually on Wednesday, February 7th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. This event features authors celebrating their creative inspirations and intersections during Black History Month. Uh, the city will be providing its annual update of our DEI and GARE initiatives at the February 20th council, city council meeting during city manager comments. And the city's lesbian speaker series in collaboration with Mazer Lesbian Archives presents a panel discussion titled Celebrating 35 Years of Black Lesbian Organizing in LA, United Lesbians of African Heritage and Black Lesbians United on Saturday, February 24th at 2 p.m. in the city council chambers. That concludes my comments. Thank you. Before I ask the city manager one question, do any of my colleagues have questions for the city manager? Nope. Um, city Manager Wilson, um, the West Side City's COG, everyone's favorite meeting to go to in the middle of the day, um, does include uh, various uh, council members and people representing the West Side, right? Correct. And it's open to the public? Yes. Could we do, or maybe, uh, is it possible for the comms people to put out that meeting? So members of the public who wish to be a part of that meeting, because they get so many public commenters, um, might be able to do it. It might be helpful for us. Okay. Thank we will you. do that. And the meeting this week is in Beverly Hills, I believe. It's Even closer. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Madam City Clerk, what is the fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar? Uh, thank you, Mayor. The fiscal impact on tonight's consent calendar with the addition of items 6A and 6B and the removal of items uh, 2H, 2J, and 2M is in Mary is $285,817 in expenditures, $400,000 in revenue, and $0 in waived fees. And there is a motion on the floor to adopt tonight's consent calendar. Wonderful. My yes did not, my yay did not get Yeah, registered. so we have um, a yes vote from Mayor, or Council Member Shine as well. Thank you. Great, that passes unanimously. All right, we are going to move on to item 3A, appeal of the Planning Commission's approval to demolish a commercial building and construct a seven-story mixed-use development containing 110 residential apartment units above 3,795 square feet of ground floor commercial space over a subterranean garage with 115 parking spaces located at 8025 Santa Monica Boulevard, including finding that the project is exempt from CEQA under Class 32 category exemption for infield development projects. The public hearing is now open. Um, are there any disclosures from my colleagues? No, no. I spoke to the, I spoke to the applicant's representative and I'm familiar with the site and I've been to the site. Thank you. I spoke to the applicant's representative as well. Madam City Clerk, how was this hearing noticed? 
As required by law, Mayor. Wonderful. Welcome, staff. Hello. Will the staff representatives please introduce yourself and present the staff report? Good evening. Um, thank you, Mayor, Vice Mayor, members of the Council. Uh, my name is Jennifer Alkire. I'm the current Historic Preservation Planning Manager, and I have with me Doug Vu, Senior Planner, to present the item. Um, I think he's ready now, so we'll move into that part. Thank you. Good evening. Sorry. Good evening, Mayor Erickson and members of the City Council. Um, I think I'm sharing my screen, but I don't see it <laughs> appearing. Doug, are you on Zoom? Yes. Yes, I am logged onto Zoom. Is that where you're sharing screen from? Yes. Try again. Voila. Land a man on the moon. <laughs> uh, again, sorry about that. Uh, good, good evening, Mayor Erickson and City Council members. Uh, the item before you is an appeal of the Planning Commission's approval on September 7, 2023, uh, for the redevelopment of the project site uh, located near the northeast corner of Santa Monica Boulevard and Crescent Heights Boulevards. Uh, the approval included uh, demolition of the existing commercial bank building um, and construction of a seven-story mixed-use building um, containing 110 dwelling units above approximately 3,800 square feet of ground floor commercial space over a two-level uh, subterranean garage with 115 parking spaces. So the project includes 15 units of on-site affordable housing and utilizes a 49% density bonus and two concessions under the city's municipal code and the state density bonus law. On September 15, 2023, an appeal was filed with the city clerk by the Supporters Alliance for Environmental Responsibility, or SAFER, um, which asserted that the Planning Commission's approval of the project was based on technical errors, errors of fact, and inaccurate or unsupported findings. Um, a detailed discussion of each assertion is included in the staff report, um, but they per pertain to three primary allegations. Uh, first, the project cannot qualify for a categorical exemption under the California Environmental Quality Act because it will result in significant air quality emissions from both construction and demolition activities that the city fails to adequately consider. 
Second, the decision to exempt the project from additional air quality studies violates the city's housing element because the exception only applies to residential developments and not mixed-use developments like the proposed project. And lastly, the city's unreasonably high appeal fee imposes a burden on the applicant to the due process right to a hearing. In response to the, sorry, in response to the first assertion, under the CEQA guidelines, a Class 32 exemption for infill development projects um, is eligible if it meets five conditions. Um, and one of those conditions includes approval of the project would not result in any significant effects relating to traffic, noise, air, or water quality. The project was initially determined not to result in any significant effects relating to air quality because it did not exceed any of the screening criteria that would require a project-specific um, construction air quality study. But a study was subsequently prepared by the applicant that quantified construction emissions associated with all air pollutant sources, including but not limited to off-road construction equipment, demolition and grading activities, construction worker trips, vendor trips, and haul trips and it compared the total emissions to applicable air quality management district, regional, and localized significance thresholds. The air quality study concluded that all construction emissions and criteria pollutants associated with the project would fall below regional and local significance thresholds, respectively, and that impacts related to air quality would be less than significant. Therefore, these results also confirmed that the proposed project meets that condition that approval of the project would not result in any significant effects relating to traffic, noise, air, or water quality in order to qualify for this Class 32 infill, infill exemption for development projects. Regarding the second allegation, the city previously did not require the project to conduct an air quality study because it is considered a housing project under the housing element which included an inventory of potential development sites for the future housing that identified the subject property at 8025 Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, in addition, the proposed development is also considered a housing project because 88% of the building's total floor area consists of residential uses that is consistent with the state's definition of a housing development project under the Housing Accountability Act. However, as was just stated, an air quality study for the project was prepared that quantified construction emissions associated with all air pollutant sources and compared them with the applicable air quality management district regional and localized significance thresholds, which concluded that all construction emissions and criteria pollutants associated with the project would fall below regional and local significance thresholds, and therefore impacts related to air quality would be less than significant. In response to the last allegation, if payment of the appeal filing fee constituted a hardship or, or undue burden, the appellant had the ability to waive the fee by submitting a petition with the appeal signed by at least 50 residents or property or business owners within the city. This option under the municipal code is available to ensure the right to procedural due process is not restricted for appellants and has often been used in the past. The appellant has not provided 
evidence to justify that submitting a signed petition with the appeal also results in an undue burden. The city utilizes resources to review and process an appeal, and the fee is reasonable and necessary to reimburse the city for its costs in handling the appeal. Fees are heavily governed by state law, and the amounts are reestablished annually by the city council that have never been alleged to be unreasonable or an undue burden. So staff reviewed um, a letter that was received earlier today uh, regarding some additional comments uh, for the project. And upon staff's review of the letter, it contained five points, four of which were concerning the air quality study. The letter incorrectly concludes that the project does not qualify for a class 32 exemption because it includes mitigation measures. In fact, the project does not include project level mitigation measures as it it is well below the established thresholds for regional and local air quality impacts without mitigation. It tears off the programmatic EIR that was prepared for the city's housing element. This is the intent of the program level EIR, and it is expected that individual projects will tear off of it. Additionally, the letter incorrectly asserts that certain air quality criteria were not studied properly. The project's air quality study followed the methodology and thresholds established in the housing element EIR and again, properly tiered from the certified document. The letter does not provide any new information regarding the project that would invalidate any of the conclusions in the staff report. Further, the appellant's letter again asserts that the fees charged for the appeal are unreasonable. And again, the fees charged are based on an anticipated time spent processing the appeal. The fee is reasonable, and however, there is a mechanism to waive the fees that is often used, which is to provide the 50 signatures from West Hollywood residents or businesses. So based on the materials provided in the appeal um, and the letter that was received today, staff does not find that evidence has been presented of any technical errors, errors of fact, or inadequate or unsupported findings that would justify overturning the Planning Commission's approval. The existing site is an underutilized and presents an opportunity for redevelopment that would support more of the city's adopted goals and policies. The lack of housing is a critical problem in California, and the proposal is a housing development that will assist the city in meeting its housing goals by providing 110 new residential units to the city's housing stock, including 15 permanently affordable units, helping the city to achieve its regional housing needs assessment of 3,933 units by 2029. The project is also subject to the Housing Accountability Act, and the legislature requires that the HAA must be interpreted and, and implemented to afford the fullest possible weight to the approval of housing. Finally, staff continues to support the finding that the project is categorically exempt from the provisions of the California Environmental Quality Act for infill developments that meet all the specific criteria to receive this exemption, and therefore would not have a significant effect on the environment. Staff recommends that the City Council deny the appeal and approve the development project at 8025 Santa Monica Boulevard as approved by the Planning Commission. This concludes staff's presentation, and I am available for questions. Thank you so much, Doug. Um, do any of my colleagues have questions only for staff at this time? Anyone? No?
Great. Thank you very much. All right. Does the appellant or their representative wish to address the city council? You'll have a maximum, hello, of five minutes to make your presentation. Come on up. Um, <clears throat> good evening, uh, Mayor Erickson and honorable council members. My name is Marjano Bubo, an attorney with Lozo Jury, and I represent SAFER, the Supporters Alliance for Environmental Responsibility, and its members who live, work, and recreate in and around the city of West Hollywood. Um, I'm here this evening urging the city council to support our appeal and deny the project under the proposed Class 32 categorical exemption. We've been involved with the planning process and incorporate our previous comments and our expert opinions um, this evening, including the comments that uh, we submitted earlier today. Uh, with the limited time I have, I'd like to highlight the few main issues that SAFER believes precludes the project from proceeding with a categorical exemption. So we maintain our position regarding the, I think it was like a little north of $13,000 in the appeal fee that we briefed the city on, um, and we, we briefed that in the comment letter. Um, but as a preliminary matter, and I think Mr. Vu said this, um, SAFER asserted as early as September that our findings of air quality impacts meant that the applicant could not rely on a categorical exemption, especially since they had not prepared the air quality study to measure the project's impacts. It was not until after, a couple months after SAFER filed its appeal, did the applicant finally prepare and submit an air quality study. So we'll explain the deficiencies of the applicant's study later, but um, felt this context is important when evaluating the project. Um, first, case law makes clear that categorical exemptions are prohibited where mitigation measures are required to reduce a project's environmental impacts below significance. Admittedly, the project relies on mitigation measures. It's included within the um, city's housing element EIR in order to proceed. Um, I believe the staff report explicitly includes these mitigation measures in the conditions of approval and concedes that a subsequent air quality study was prepared in accordance with the EIR's mitigation measure AQ2A. Um, in fact, the applicant's air quality study itself um, undeniably includes a mitigation measure that is borrowed straight from the EIR, but it was reworded, so you can't really like copy and paste or co control F to identify the mitigation measure. Um, as such, this is the first red flag as to why the project cannot proceed. Secondly, a project cannot proceed or qualify for the Class 32 exemption if the project results in significant air quality impacts. Our independent experts at Baseline Consulting reviewed the project, including the applicant's uh, revised air quality study, and determined that the air quality study fails to adequately review the project impacts. So, for example, Baseline identified inconsistencies between the study and the um, output files that they provided. Um, Let's see, and, and just the technical reports that the study is predicated on. So it undercuts the study's credibility as substantial evidence. In addition, while the applicant recognizes that, and I quote, the primary toxic air contaminant during construction is diesel particulate matter, um, or DPM, end quote, it fails to analyze these emissions impacts any further by not preparing a health risk assessment. SAFER has been urging the city to prepare an HRA, especially since the project sits directly adjacent to residential developments immediately north of the project site. 
Um, baseline prepared an HRA in its absence and found that diesel particulate matter emissions will exceed significance thresholds, not just by a little bit, but by nearly 12 times the um, environmental threshold set by the South Coast Air Quality District. Um, additional environmental review is required to determine whether this potentially significant impact is unavoidable, even with the applicants and the city's mitigation measures. Um, and lastly, a project cannot qualify for a Class 32 exemption if the project is inconsistent with applicable housing plans and, or just general plans and policies. Um, here, we're referencing the housing element EIR, which does require an air quality study as a mitigation measure in order to quantify construction emissions. And this includes diesel particulate matter and other toxic air contaminants. Um, and I, as explained earlier, the air quality study, which the applicant didn't prepare until we appealed, um, did not quantify the DPM emissions in the AHRA, meaning that it's gonna remain inconsistent with the general plan. Um, really quickly, um, also the air quality mitigation measure included in the study isn't enforceable. It's not included in the conditions of approval. Um, so yeah, thank you for taking the time to listen to our appeal and we respectfully ask the city council to consider it. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Marjan. All right, uh, does, I believe the applicant is on Zoom, so we'll give them five minutes to make their presentation. Thank you, Mayor, um, members of the city council. My name is Jeff Seymour. Uh, we are here tonight to respond to the questions that you may have of us. Uh, we really don't have any, have any other initial statement other than to say that we believe this project uh, will be uh, a positive, uh, give a positive impact uh, to the city, uh, will ensure uh, additional housing, which we know all is needed in the city as well as through the region. And again, uh, Mayor, we're here to respond to any questions. Thank you, Jeff. Thank so we'll you. come back into chambers, Mayor. Great, sounds good. All good, all right, wonderful. We are going to reopen, uh, receive public comment from any persons in the audience who wish to speak on this matter. Each person may address the city council for a maximum of two minutes. And if you haven't already, please submit your speakership to uh, the city clerk. And I see one speaker on mine, and that's Michael Pitkin. Come on up. Uh, Michael Joseph Pitkin regarding affordable housing. Uh, this also uh, goes with 2H, 2J, 2Q, and 3A. I am a Democrat, unhoused, unemployed, homosexual, First Nations, 3E people of this earth, theastic Satanist, HIV positive, 59-year-old male. This is your notice. City of West Hollywood and Sheriff, come into compliance with unhoused law of the land. Martin v. Boise, Grants Pass v. Johnson. If no room in WeHo shelter, it is illegal to touch, move, take, or remove unhoused in property illegal to ship unhoused to other cities. Unhoused are no longer charged fees and fines. 
24-hour written notice must be given before WeHo can touch, move, take, or remove unhoused and property for surviving and sleeping. Law enforcement and sheriff have no desire to honor LASA, CES, mandated for my federal health care and affordable housing. U.S. Supreme Court is granting this case in April and a new national law in June. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I see Steve Martin snuck in there, so we're going to call him. We're going to call him on up, and we might have another one after this. No, 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 that's okay. You're, I'm cold looking at you. <laughs> like, you're wearing shorts. I'm freezing. You've always been a little frigid. Uh, <laughs> anyway. you, you know me so well. I, 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 I don't mean to be flip. I, I, I really hope that, that Michael can, maybe we can, he can find housing here. Uh, I have been signing appeals for God knows, John knows how long. Um, <laughs> I... This has probably been the most frivolous appeal I have seen in years. I don't, I don't know who these people are, what their, what their plan is, but if you're going to have construction, you're going to have some issues that may not be mitigated. They did not point out anything that showed that the construction here was going to be in any way excessive in a way that would generate uh, particulate matter or diesel. I, the one time that this would have been a really legitimate and was a legitimate issue is when we dug up faith plating and the city went out of their way to really take measures to protect people in my neighborhood from the particulate matter that was toxic. This is really difficult. You know, if there was a legitimate appeal, someone wouldn't have to worry about the fees. They could go get the 50 signatures. God knows I have signed ad nauseum these appeals much to staff's grief. Uh, but, I, I, so I can say this, you know, for, for the things that Jeff won't say, Jeff Seymour won't say, but this is really unfair to everyone. It's unfair to staff, it's unfair to the, to the taxpayers, and I, I am hoping these people are not gonna make a regular uh, habit of coming here and throwing monkey wrenches in the works. There's too many times that people have legitimate <laughs> issues that need to be addressed, and unfortunately, this is not one of them. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. Always great seeing you. Victor Olmanchenko, who's our last speaker. I really do mean that, Steve. I do love you, so. <laughs> ah, Victor Olmanchenko, longtime West Hollywood resident. Listen, this project looks like an attempt to provide, is an attempt to provide affordable housing units for the city. The appeal, I have to say, I did not sign anything. I wasn't asked to sign anything. I only had a chance to read it. I am concerned about the whole issue of air quality and toxic quality. So this makes me bring up the whole issue of the environmental remediation that supposedly has been going on across the street from this project regarding the cleaners on the southeast corner, regarding the big one-acre lot that the city bought years ago. It was called the Walgreens Project. Now the surplus property is going to be probably designated for affordable housing at 1047 and 1057 North Crescent Heights. 
And there's so this confluence, hearing the appellant bring up issues about air quality and toxins and construction and that, to me, this all looks like cumulative impacts. And I just wish that we could be looking at projects cumulatively. And the other thing that I, I, I wanted to, and their impacts on the environment and on people's health, but at the same time, there is that whole issue also in the code, the whole thing about what is a micro unit, how big should a micro unit be, is with the Murphy bed falling out of the wall. I mean, what is going to be going on in this new seven or eight story building, which used to be my Bank of America in that kind of Palm Springs, mid-century modern style, which we don't have many of, and that's going to go the way of the wind. But I really, really think that we do need to look at the cumulative impacts of these projects that are going to be happening at that very busy intersection. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Victor. All right, we, uh, that concludes public comment. Thank you so much. Um, does the appellant uh, or the representative wish to make any further comments? You'd have two more minutes for rebuttal. Yeah, I'll just make this quick. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hopefully, but I guess just because we don't have time and we're going to be voting on this, I hope that, I wish that the public had the opportunity, you know, to access the comment letter that we did prepare. It didn't come, you know, out of thin air. We referenced our expert opinions. Um, we believe that it's substantial evidence and um, it has left, has, it's still unrebutted in our opinion. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm also, I'm not, I, it would be remiss of me to not ignore the fact that our state and you know, West Hollywood um, is impacted by the housing challenges and just development issues. But if we're gonna be completely honest, 14% uh, that's designated for affordable housing, however affordable housing is defined in this area, um, I don't, it's kind of a mischaracterization in my opinion to call this an affordable housing project um, and I should, Lastly, the air quality impacts, like I said, um, were used, we, our experts used the same technical support team that the applicant used to prepare their air quality study. We reached out to them, we double checked, hey, are these numbers correct? And they said, um, we, we had an originally conservative estimate, but after reaching out to technical support, we're firm on our position that 12 times beyond the exposure of uh, diesel particulate matter emissions, um, and it's supported by the facts. It's in the administrative record, um, and I, again, really urge and implore the uh, council to take this into consideration. Um, thank you. Thank you so much, Marjan. All right, does the applicant or the representative wish to make any further comments? You'll have two minutes. I know we gotta switch back to the, the Zooms. Mayor, I think that uh, uh, Alex Masachi, who's the developer of the project, uh, may want to make a comment. And I, he's in, there he is. We see him now, Mr. Seymour. He's coming on up. Thank you, Mayor. Hi, thank you, Mayor Erickson, Vice Mayor Byers, and the rest of the council. Um, we've been working on this project a long time. It's very catalytic. It's great for that intersection and the broader city of West Hollywood. Um, and I urge you to support it. 
following the appeal, we did everything that was asked of us and we actually are in conformance with the updated housing element as well as the categorical exemption criteria. However, misconstrued it can be at times. Um, and we look forward to the next steps. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm assuming, Jeff, that Mr. Seymour, that's, you, you're good? I am very good. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Just wanna make sure you have your full allotted time if need be. All right, sounds good. I. So I've, I, that's why I was looking to my right. So I'm gonna go to Councilmember Meister. No, I just wanted to. So I just wanted to get some clarification on because the the appellant talked about appealing something before. So I'm just wondering what 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 that was all about. And I assume it had something to do with the fact that there were numbers, and then something changed, and then there were new measurements. Maybe you can just sort of take us through that for a second. Sure, I can, I can try to address that. I think what you might be referring to is when they said that they had raised an issue during the original process and then the project was approved and they brought it up in their appeal. And um, so the housing element EIR, which was certified when we adopted the, the housing element, <clears throat> um, specified screening criteria for use of CEQA exemptions. And so we matched the project against the screening criteria and found that it did not exceed any of the screening criteria to need additional work. So basically the, the housing element EIR said there's no, no air quality impact for most projects, but some projects that might be a little bit bigger would require a little bit more work to make sure that they are not exceeding any air quality thresholds. So this one, the appellant originally stated that it, it hit those, those screening criteria and needed additional work. Um, we disagreed, we moved forward. Um, after the project was approved, they appealed the project and again asserted that the, it exceeded some of the screening criteria. So we went back and made sure and, it, and some of the numbers that we were looking at originally were incorrect. So we, it looked like the excavation totals for the underground portion of the project exceeded the screening criteria. So we just had an incorrect number. It, it exceeded that criteria. We went ahead and required the air quality study. So the air quality study was done. Uh, we had our folks take a look at it and it looked legitimate. I mean, it, the housing element specifies that the city would require the applicant to prepare that study. So then we wanted to take a look and make sure that it, uh, we agreed with the outcome. And it was well below the thresholds for the regional air emissions as well as the local emissions without any sort of mitigation measures. There is a reference to tier four construction equipment, which is like a higher uh, emission standards level of, of construction equipment. And if that equipment is used, it is w even further below, but that is not a mitigation measure because it's, it's not required to reach a level below significance. So that's why the project can include that but we're not requiring it in order to meet these thresholds. Um, and these, this is sort of normal process. This is a part of tiering off of a programmatic EIR that uh, we do a lot of work so that when we have these smaller projects, we can do less work and require um, less onerous requirements from housing developers. This project uh, did receive a mixed-use overlay bonus, which is the city, the local bonus. Correct. And the, uh, 
the appellant had uh, made an assertion that um, it wasn't it, that it wasn't a housing project, but but the Affordable Housing Act does say that mixed-use projects are housing projects. Is that right? That's correct. The threshold for a housing development project is that two-thirds of the project floor area must be used for housing. Yeah. And this, I believe, um, Doug said was about 88% of the project is housing. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so Those much. Do any of my other colleagues have a question? I have one, but I want to... So just something that befuddled me, uh, the third um, portion of the appeal says that there was a hardship to the payment or the 50 signatures. So, and I'm probably answering my own question, but did they pay the fee or did they get the signatures? They paid the fee. So, a hardship? Oh, I'm just wondering, like, because I was confused by that in the staff report, so I just didn't, I just wanted for the record to be one of their appeal, one of their appeal claims was they couldn't pay the fee because it was a hardship, but they paid the fee, correct? They paid the fee, correct. Great, thank you so much. Um, seeing no other um, uh, questions, I'm gonna now close the public testimony of the portion of the public hearing, and I'm gonna move to my colleagues for any deliberation, and since I'm looking to my right, I might as well start with you, Councilmember Meister. <laughs> okay, um, so these are my thoughts. The, the appeal is very narrow and just asks us to look at the air quality issues as they relate to CEQA and our housing element. And the last assertion is regarding our appeal process, specifically the requirement of a fee if the appellant cannot attain 50 signatures of West Hollywood community members. Um, none of these three assertions are very compelling. Had the appeal been about concerns over solar access or air trespass or utilities like water or electricity, I may have found that compelling or the fact that Planning Commission does have discretion over the city's mixed-use overlay zone incentive, which is a local incentive. Uh, if the appeal questioned uh, Planning Commission's discretionary approval related to the local incentive um, and its objective development standards, then I may have found that compelling. Uh, but for the three assertions that are before us, and we do have to focus on only those assertions, I would have to vote to deny the appeal. So those are my thoughts. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Councilmember Shine. Thank you. I too, um, you made very good arguments. Um, the, <laughs> the assertions made um, uh, don't uh, legally meet the standard for um, a yay vote, so I will also be voting no to the appeal. Thank you so much, Councilmember Shine. Councilmember Heilman. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you to everyone who came out to speak tonight. Um, I, um, I think I'm going to be in agreement with my colleagues. Uh, when I look at the appeal, there are three main points, um, and none of them have merit in my mind. The first argument is that uh, this does not meet the standard for being categorically exempt from CEQA. I don't think that is the case, as Jennifer explained in her report. Uh, we looked very carefully, or our staff looked very carefully at the impacts of this project and found that they do not meet the threshold for uh, triggering additional environmental review. I would also point out that I read the letter that 
uh, was attached to the initial appeal, which focused um, exclusively on, uh, almost exclusively on indoor air quality, which uh, in my mind would make every residential project one that cannot qualify for categorically exempt. Uh, so that to me uh, indicates that the argument here was without merit. The second argument, uh, second appeal point was that this doesn't meet the requirements for being a residential project. And again, I think staff dealt with that very clearly. There is one floor of commercial at the lower level and the rest of this project is all residential. It is a residential project for purposes of the Housing Accountability Act. Uh, and it certainly is a residential project for purposes of the infill exemption. And then finally, the last point, the due process argument about the hearing has nothing to do with the project itself. That is a procedural issue. It, and I would also say it's lacking merit. As staff pointed out, there is a procedure for people who cannot pay the fee to submit signatures. I don't think signatures were submitted because I don't think the applicant is really representing a group of West Hollywood residents and uh, business owners. Uh, notice tonight, no one came forward in opposition to this project. And I think that raises some uh, question about who is actually being represented by the appellant here. And then finally, the Housing Accountability Act says that when there's a housing project, we have to err in, on the side of approval of the project. Uh, and to me, this isn't even a close case that triggers that uh, admonition from the Housing Accountability Act. For all those reasons, I'm gonna be voting uh, no on the appeal and yes to approve the project. Thank you so much, Councilmember Harmon. Vice Mayor Byers. I think our colleagues have been very thorough and I really appreciate the commentary. I too agree that the appeal is lacking merit. Um, specifically appreciate the concerns raised by my colleagues here about uh, what it means when we have these sort of appeals coming that aren't really backed by the community. Um, I appreciate staff's work on this and we'll be voting in to oppose, to deny the appeal in support of the project. Thanks. Thank you so much, um, my colleagues. I also, I too, want to thank all the members of the public that came out and spoke. Um, I also want to thank our city clerk and the city clerk's team, as well as the city attorney, as I believe this was the first time we utilized our new way to identify and make it clearer for the public on who is a part of the appeals process. And I think that helps with the transparency and uh, kind of goes at what my colleagues are saying. I too find this appeal lacking merit. I find this project to be very um, uh, forward thinking and what's going on in a vacant property and building housing. And for all those reasons, I too will be voting to deny the appeal. So um, I'm going to look for a motion that will include closing the public hearing. I already see my two friends over here, um, as well as I know, I know, staff needs to read something into the record before, uh, come on, give a guy a break, it's only my third meeting, I know, um, but staff needs to read something into the record before we take her vote, and I believe we do have a motion and a second on the floor. Go ahead, Doug. Uh, thank you, Mayor. It says, yes, staff would like to read into the record that there is a typographical error in the title of the resolution. Um, it states 115 residential units when the correct number is actually 110. And that only appears in the title. Every, uh, the body of the resolution contains the accurate number of dwelling units. Thank you so much. All right. 
Seeing no other things, we can go ahead and vote. Thank you. And the motion on the floor is to deny the appeal. Correct. All right. That passes 5 to 0. Oh. Thank you so much, Doug, <laughs> Jennifer, and Nick. We are now, are my colleagues okay with keeping going? Yeah. All right, that's what I like to see. We're gonna move on to 4A, an ordinance of the City Council of the City of West Hollywood amending the West Hollywood Municipal Code, section 1.16.010, public placing for public notices. Um, I see staff is coming up. Do I know several of my colleagues had questions? Um, do, this would, is this is actually my item. Oh, there you are. Sorry. I'm like looking over there seeing such You're movement, like, but I'm looking over to you. Um, do my colleagues want a staff report on this, or would we like to ask questions and then go to the public comment? Okay. Councilmember Heilman, are you okay with that? All right. Are there any public comments? Nope. Seeing no public comments. Councilmember Meister, back to you. Yeah, I just wanted to see if we could add West Hollywood Park, either the library or ARC. Uh, as a place to post um, notices. So we could add it as a courtesy posting, which is what we do at the library. Um, we do a courtesy posting there. These are our three legally required posting locations. Since we don't have an adjudicated newspaper and under the law, we have to do three sites. So, so question, why did we pick the sheriff station over ARC? Can we have ARC and have the have sheriff station be the Courtesy? I, th I think it was because the sheriff station is always open, um, and so members of the public can be in there at any in the lobby at any time and look at all of our postings. Okay, so then I'll go back to my original question: that can we go ahead and post at the arc yeah. as well? We can add a courtesy posting at the okay, arc. Okay, great. Councilmember Hammond. That was my uh, same issue. So. All right. Um, I have no comments on this item. Do any of my colleagues? Nope. All right. I have a feeling I know who's going to make the motion in the second. Great. And the motion is to move the item as well as then adding a courtesy posting at the ARC uh, moving forward. All right. Sounds good. That passes five to zero. Moving right along. Item 5A, Sky Sanctuaries, San Vicente Streetscape Plaza. This is like a radio show, I feel, up here in a six. I'm so sorry. Uh, San Vicente Streetscape Plaza update. Come on down. Will staff's representatives please introduce yourself and present a staff report. Do you need a second? You could play Pickles Somewhere Over the Rainbow again for the crowd. Might as, <laughs> it was a great time. I know I'm biased, but you know. <laughs> okay, good evening, Mayor. Good evening. Council Rick Abramson. Uh, city architect. I manage the urban design and architecture studio here with Jackie Rocco, our deputy city manager, 
and Garen Yalls, the city's architectural and urban designer. Before, before you tonight is uh, San, Vin San Vicente Streetscape uh, that appeared about two years ago initially uh, before council. A little bit of very brief background. The council at that time directed staff to uh, continue working with the community to develop a design to explore a transformable urban plaza with emphasis on not only city program, but city goals for public safety, accessibility, et cetera, as part of the effort. Um, staff did an extensive community outreach uh, protocol, not only with uh, general community meetings, but a number of uh, individual meetings with stakeholders, first responders, adjacent property owners, uh, multiple agencies, uh, design district folks, uh, Visit West Hollywood, um, very extensive uh, discussion of the project. Um, council also directed staff to look at grants as a primary form of funding the project uh, and look for potential uh, community partnerships in order to... Um, hold, Rick, hold on one second. I don't think we meant to go watch a movie, but if um, that's the intent of our electronical team. I don't think we did either, so can uh, you give me a second to check with Waveguide and see what's going on? Yeah, why don't, why don't we take a, a five-minute-ish break? I would urge the members of the public, it is dark right now, so please stay seated. If you can, um, I don't want anyone to trip and fall, and neither does Helen or Steve or Lauren Langer, our city attorney. And so uh, please stay seated, and we're going to take just a five-minute break. in a second. Very good. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, so as I was saying, the, the direction from Council also was um, encouraging staff to look at grants and other project funding and partnerships as a, a big part of this project. Um, included in the staff report is a uh, preliminary cost analysis and timeline. Uh, and uh, we are now before you tonight with a result of the community outreach process and how the project developed with an imp implementation strategy. Um, being mindful of the time, I'm going to turn it over to Garen Yallis. We have a very brief um, presentation for those perhaps in the audience who aren't familiar with some of the background. And Garen, take it away, please. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Rick. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Council members. 
The project concept before you today is a result of an extensive community engagement process. Our team organized three community-wide meetings, including one in-person and two virtual sessions. We also conducted direct outreach to various boards and commissions and other key stakeholders. The valuable feedback received to date during that process has been thoughtfully incorporated into this concept design that you see tonight. The project is driven by three core strategies established at the project's outset. The project aims to establish a safe and shared streetscape. Second, create an environmentally responsive microclimate to counter urban heat island effects. And third, to establish a flexible space for community gathering and economic vitality. The project proposes multi-layered and multi-purpose design solutions that include an eco-responsive public gathering space, promoting flexibility, innovation, and forward-thinking community-based urban design. The project addresses public safety, threats to health and wellness, and environmental challenges related to sustainability and resilience. Key design drivers and considerations that emerge from this vision encompass traffic calming and accessibility, green infrastructure, urban shading, civic programming, placemaking for people, community education, and restorative ecologies with a focus on sustainability and creative water resource management. This slide includes a few renderings of the project concept in relationship to these key drivers. Additionally, as illustrated on this slide, the many configurations of the Streetscape Plaza maximize future opportunities for rallies, public presentations, special events, art shows, farmers markets, food festivals, just to name a few. Simultaneously, as Rick mentioned, alongside the concept development, staff collaborated with the consultant to identify initial economic benefits of a project of this magnitude. These include an overall economic boost to the city, increased equity and access, potential for regional brand development and tourism, support for neighborhood walkability, and enhanced real estate and value and tax revenues. Furthermore, the project scope aligns well with various state, local, and federal grant opportunities, as outlined in detail in attachment C of the staff report. We did want to reiterate the council's previous commitment of up to $2 million as outlined in attachment E of this packet. And at this time, staff proposes maintaining that same commitment. One noteworthy grant is that we wanted to specify is through the Los Angeles County Safe Clean Water Infrastructure Grant Program, presenting a substantial opportunity for the project to address dry weather flow, stormwater treatment, and bacteria protection as stormwater goes um, out to the Bologna Creek wetlands. Representatives from this program actually reached out to staff directly following our second community meeting, emphasizing a real tremendous opportunity for the project to meet some of their um, kind of countywide goals for stormwater. Preliminary estimates suggest a potential funding from this particular entity of approximately five to eight million dollars contingent upon the completion of a technical feasibility study evaluating the geotechnical and stormwater management aspects. Looking ahead, the staff recommendation outlined in this report 
aims for a project completion by 2030 and include continuing efforts to secure grants or public-private partnerships for the design and constru construction of the streetscape plaza and pursuing grant assistance for technical studies. We did outline a alternative recommendation in the staff report if the council desires to expedite the technical studies for earlier grant applications. The staff report provides a detailed alternative recommendation aiming for a project completion of late 2027, early 2028. And that concludes our presentation. We're available to answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you so much, Garen. Uh, do any of my colleagues have any questions at this time for staff? Go ahead. Um, so one of the questions I have is, uh, in terms of the public outreach, uh, you described uh, two Zoom meetings and one in-person meeting. How many people would you say attended those meetings? Yeah, so the first meeting was um, through with the West Hollywood Kids Fair, so we had a booth there and we estimate around 50 to 75 people who stopped by the booths to provide feedback. The two other Zoom meetings, we're estimating around um, 50 to 60 attendees. Okay, thank you. Um, my second question has to do with uh, Metrorail. We have been um, advocating uh, for a San Vicente extension of Metrorail, and I didn't see any reference to that in the staff report about how this would work with potential Metrorail construction in and around the area. Yes, thank you. So we have been in contact with Metro a couple of times throughout the duration of the concept development. What we know um, to date is that the Metro line alignment will actually be um, around underneath West Hollywood Park, so it would circumvent the street due to some other um, infrastructure that's underneath the street, but we would continue to be in contact with Metro to ensure that there are no conflicts for a project like this in with the alignment. Well, I, I have to say, I'm, I don't think Metro knows for certain what that alignment would look like and where the construction would go and where the construction vehicles would go. So that raises a great deal of concern for me. Um, my third question is maybe a, a bigger question. When I uh, look at the uh, agenda item that originally uh, directed this to be a flexible meeting space, how did that morph into something that involves permanent structures and movable structures? This seems to be dramatically different than what the original agenda item asked for. And sort of the follow-up, under what authority did you grow this item to be this big? Yeah, thank you, council member. Um, the direction was to go back to the community and develop the design. I think over the course of those conversations and you know adjacent property owners and other stakeholders, there was uh, an encouragement to make sure that it was a viable um, event space and programmable uh, space. And then in speaking through some of the funding agencies, 
it was clear that there were a number of missions, I think, that these agencies were willing to support. In particular, we learned that there's a major storm drain, 10-foot diameter pipe under San Vicente that um, has not been serviced because the access, uh, for whatever reason, up at sunset isn't great. And so there was tremendous interest in, um, through this project, creating a uh, portal or connection uh, underground. Uh, there was funding that could support that. Um, so there was interest on that end. I think there was also interest from some of the um, uh, greening types of uh, funding where we realized that cities are completely built out now and how we're going to continue to um, combat climate change, in particular through uh, greening. There was a lot of interest in this as a demonstration, as how they described it, that they thought this, this could really show how highly urbanized areas could be thinking about the future. And so there was interest, again, because of their mission um, and West Hollingham being a good example of being, quote, um, uh, how do I say, it? not not greened as to the extent it should be per capita. Um, so I think that also influenced some of the design as well. So I agree with you. It is much more ambitious than a simple shade structure. Um, but I think because of the funding and the encouragement on that end, it it sort of matched well with some of the community input and desires. Well, I, I don't think that's a satisfactory answer for me. Um, it, it is an answer. Um, when council gives an item and approval, and I, some of my colleagues may be thrilled with this. Uh, I wasn't on the council when the direction was given, but when I look at the direction, this seems to be dramatically different than what that direction was. And if the course is going to be changed, it should be changed based on council direction and not based on what external funders would find desirable. The structure here seems completely unrelated to doing storm drain work. So I, I don't understand that uh, justification. I want to go back to another item in the staff report about the number of times the street is closed over the year. Uh, and that seemed to be part of the justification for uh, doing this more dramatic um, uh, change to the streetscape. Um, and I think the staff report listed like 25 days or something along. I know it, it's closed for CSW for that weekend. I know it's closed for Halloween. You mean We Hope Pride. We Hope Pride, thank you. Um, <laughs> And Brandy. then there's usually a temporary closure the day of the AIDS walk, a temporary closure the day of the Elton John AIDS party, but what are all of these other closures that are referenced? Yeah, I believe there's Elizabeth Taylor Foundation and some other uh, awards-related events. I think this is a number that event services provided to us, and they say it ranges between 20 to 30 per year, depending on the calendar. But yeah, those are not all uh, total closures of the street. Um, some of them are, but many of them are restricted access or one lane is closed or one half is closed. So I, I thought that was a, a misuse of the, the number of closures. Uh, those are my questions for now. I do have some comments um, 
once we get into comments. Thank you so much, Councilmember Heilman. Do any of my other colleagues have questions? No? There are no public commenters. Wonderful. Well, seeing that, we can go into um, comments. Um, Councilmember Heilman, do you want to continue? Um, I, just, I don't want to get you out. <laughs> Sorry. I will say this is, you know, it's a beautiful rendition. It's very uh, futuristic. There's a lot about it that uh, is admirable. But I'm also mindful of something different, but that we did on Sunset which was a streetscape improvement. And those of you who don't remember, it's gone because it was so ridiculous. Um, and I, I feel like some aspect of that is replicated here, that this is somebody who, uh, somebody who is an academic uh, who looked at this and said, wouldn't this be wonderful if we did all of this? And, you know, let's build a, a sky, a structure or a, a sky sanctuary over the boulevard. But there are a number of people in the public who think this is a, a very expensive project that isn't necessarily uh, desirable. Um, in terms of having a public gathering place, we have one, it's the park. Um, I know we want to, and I agree, we want to make sure that this space is programmatic or programmable programmable so that when we do have big events, they can spill out into the street. And when we have street closures, it's a desirable space. But this, I think, goes far beyond what the direction was. Um, and I don't think we should be doing it based on what funders are willing to provide, or at least say they're willing to provide. We should be doing what we think is right for the community. Um, and I, I I'm also very concerned about this interfering with Metro construction. We have been fighting to bring Metro to West Hollywood for many years. Having this here and then having Metro do construction doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, so if the council is gonna go forward with this, I, I don't see we can go forward with it and then have Metro come onto the street and do construction which will likely result in much of this being damaged or harmed. Uh, so those are, those are my concerns. Thank you so much. Can I just add, so I, I think part of the reason in bringing this item forward at this stage was to get input from the council if you do want to move forward um, and, and seek the grant funding I mean, before we get too far down that road. So I think that's good input and I think it's, it's important to hear from the entire council if you are interested in continuing down this road or with something smaller. I guess the point of my comment, David, was this is already pretty far down the road with all of these extensive renderings. I think that there should have been a check-in with the council much sooner. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Scheinermeister, would you like to go? Um, sure, thank you, Mayor. Uh, I actually think that this is a positive project for the city. I feel like it's meeting a lot of goals that we keep talking about, and we, you know, talk about talk the talk the walk, walk the talk, whatever. Um, public safety and climate and resilience and 
reducing extreme heat, which is not getting any better, and increasing our biodiversity in the city, as well as mobility. Um, I think that, that this project is, is something that you know, would put us on the map as a creative city. I think we've sort of lost that a bit, and I think that you know, a lot of the comments that you know, we got from residents was, why are you spending so much money on this? But you know, they kept saying it's a it's a X number of project, um, X dollar number uh, for this project when it's not coming out of our um, you know it's not coming out of our general fund except for the two up to two million which the council had had committed to. So I think that you know if the grants don't co don't come through, that's a that's a different story. But um, I think that. It's a unique project that meets a number of the city's goals and with outside funding, funding that would not, a lot of people brought up housing, that funding would never go towards housing. That funding is very specific, coming from very specific agencies that are interested, again, in you know, climate and, and public safety and sustainability and resilience, et cetera. Um, I was reading Urbanize LA, uh, where you know, these two comments, I think, sort of represented a lot of the other comments on the um, on the blog, which said, you know, something like this would be an instant landmark, and if West Hollywood doesn't want it, please bring it downtown. Or our own unique take on the High Line, if they can really get it done at this price, this should be the kind of large-scale project LA should be imagining for the Olympics. Um, I, I, I understand this looks, it, it looks very ambitious, it really does, but, you know, we are the creative city, and if we if we don't think about these types of projects, we're just going to, you know, be here approving, you know, um, you know, projects that that you know <laughs> that are very mediocre. Um, I will say about Metro, I understand fully Councilmember Howman's concerns about the Metro line, but number one, you know, they still haven't come up with an alignment. For all we know, the Metro could be going down La Brea, or it could be going down, um, it could be going down La Cienega. Either way, whether it's La Cienega or San Vicente, it's still two blocks from my house in either direction. I'm sure I'm going to feel the impacts of that as well. Uh, but um, you know, are we supposed to stop our lives until Metro gets back to us about this? And quite frankly, you know, I think Metro is going to take a lot longer than we thought. Uh, and I'm just not willing to stop everything to wait for Metro. And maybe and maybe if we do decide to go ahead with this, maybe we say to Metro, maybe La Cienega is a better uh, place because it's going under in a, on a commercial corridor as opposed to a corridor that has our park. Um, so uh, those those are basically my feelings. I'm I'm willing to to um, to say, you know, let's let's move ahead and see what comes of the grants and and I'm sure there will be modifications to this, but I just, I just think this is beautiful, and uh, that's that's what I have to say. Thank you. Thank you so much, Councilmember Sharp. Thank you. Um, so I can un fully uh, understand Councilmember Heilman's point about this wasn't exactly the um, what we approved. Um, with that being said, what we did uh, approve that evening was um, a vision that would really um, 
continue what we've done in the past few years is to really bring us into the 21st century in many ways. Um, when I saw this rendering, I thought, whoa, when I saw the price, I thought, no. Um, it's beautiful, it's stunning, very creative. Um, I uh, was really happy to see that it would be based on grants. Um, I, uh, I'm in support of this uh, for the many reasons that Councilmember Meister stated, mobility, access, um, we all, well, not, not all of us, but um, three of us that were here um, approve this item. It is definitely much grander, but in a good way um, than what we imagined. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, I, do, I do absolutely believe we need to work with Metro uh, because that is a really important partnership that we have um, cultivated and developed over the years. And so uh, I would be supportive of, um, of this rendering with two caveats. One is that the grants are used and we don't spend more than two million. Um, the other is that we uh, work directly with Metro. I see there's a first mile, last mile grant funding opportunity. So let's work alongside Metro. I don't think we need to think that it has to be one or the other. This isn't even supposed to be done until 2030. When is Metro's timeline right now? Any, who's the Metro longer. representative? A little, a little bit, bit longer? longer. Okay, well, at least uh, we should know an alignment that would come into play um, and some more information, so perhaps we don't speed through this. I'm assuming the grants are gonna take timing to um, develop and figure out, but um, I think this is a positive um, move in the right direction. Uh, but I do agree that I, I can understand Councilmember Heilman's point that it would have been good for us to get um, something back to us, a report, uh, maybe midway <laughs> during this process. Thank you so much, Councilmember Shine. Uh, Vice Mayor Byers. Thank you. Thank you so much for this presentation. Uh, I wasn't on council when the initial staff report was um, directed, but I, in that, sort of felt where this went and was really glad to know that this actually was a result of bigger partnerships. I think, um, you know, when we're looking at how we're gonna use the, as you mentioned, very limited public space we have left in this city to think about how we can do so in a way that accomplishes, you know, regional goals and at this level that will put West Hollywood on the map in a new way as a creative city, I think is the best, you know, opportunity met. So I really applaud you and the visionary work that you did to get us maybe further than the council at the time thought or you know, could dream possible. Um, and, and that's no, no remark to the council then, but just exactly what can happen when we're sort of looking to regional partnerships and collaboration as opportunity for how we do work at the local level. Um, I mean, this is, this is astounding and the fact that it can achieve so many climate goals, resilience goals, uh, you know, tap that storm drain in San Vicente that sounds like it's much needed as we have the floods raging through our streets now. Um, that's really tremendous. I have had the opportunity to travel to other cities uh, over the last year and look at some of their projects and some of the most premier projects that cities are focusing on are these exact sort of public space, park, 
resilience projects that takes the most of land and, and does something transformational that we can also you know, experience as people too. So this is, it's really astounding. I'm um, excited that the $2 million budget can be met. And I just wanna sort of zero in on some of your recommendations because it looked like there were maybe two approaches here and one a little bit more aggressive can, can you go back, to, sorry to interrupt, yes, Vice Mayor Byers, could you go back to that slide just for everyone's better clarity? Thank you. Yeah. Sorry so, for interrupting. No, it's okay. Thank you. Um, and I just, so we can really be specific about what we're trying to do up here. I'm in favor of the alternative recommendation, especially if we can do this in accordance with the Metro calendar. I mean, look, folks, early 2028, that's Olympic timeline. We have the world coming to our city in that year in a big way. Um, and I think if we can meet that timeline, then we should try for it. And I know that's a substantial increased investment that we have to make to do so, but I think that's a sort of calculated risk taking and investment that we have to make that if this can come forward and this return on investment comes back to us, then we're gonna be celebrating that decision in the long run. So I think it's worth the risk for us to make that investment now to get staff moving on some of this work and to, you know, that LA County Safe Clean Water Infrastructure Grant Program, let's, let's get it. Um, so that's what I say, that's all for me. <laughs> thank you so much, Vice Mayor Byers. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Garen and Rick and Jackie. Um, I, I'm kind of, uh, a little bit perplexed. I, I remember when this item came before us and it was kind of closing down the streets with bollards and some spaces and maybe putting trees up and down San Vicente to increase that urban uh, tree canopy. I was all in favor of that. Um, and then life happens. I, you know, last week's a blur. So when this uh, 20, July 2022, whenever this was back, um, definitely, I had to go back and rewatch that meeting and look at what was before us, and, and it has evolved very drastically. So I do agree with Councilmember Hyam in that this should have come to us as a check-in, and I think this is a, a good reminder that, um, you know, there are a lot of things at $2 million that we're looking at that would help fund this project that I think the city is still sitting on, and I think we're going to talk about that in the next item with uh, 2H and whatever it, that number is, uh, 2H and 5B. Um, but I'm, my concerns are how much staff time did we spend from UDAS on this when we have many development projects, many housing projects, um, and a lot of other items that bring in a lot of revenue to the city um, that we hear about regularly from people saying we can't get a we can't get an email, we can't get a response, there's corrections, it takes months. We heard the same thing regarding cannab our cannabis built up um, uh, organizations uh, uh, that are waiting a long time. And so I understand the dream big scenario because this is something that I think a lot of us would agree would set us on the map, this type of Highline-esque um, area, I mean, one truck down San Vicente, I think we're gonna say goodbye to this um, based on the height mechanisms. So I'm worried about street patterns and traffic patterns, and I'm wondering, are we changing the entire nature of San Vicente? I'm open to having that conversation, but in 15 years when this is happening, I think. I won't be here, <laughs> 15 years is a long way away. I mean, God knows, I mean, if God calls me home at that time, right? But, you know, I think ultimately what I'm looking at with this with this project is yes and, but the and is 
we have to get our ducks in a row for a lot of capital projects that are waiting a long time for us to move forward that, that can then fund this. Um, that $2 million won't be $2 million in a couple of years, so I'm, I'm happy to look at alternative recommendation two, but I think there also needs to be a very strategic pause to getting us to where we're moving forward with this. I understand grant applications have deadlines and you're submitting to them and those costs are, are going to go into effect. Um, but I don't want this taking priority because it's a big dream um, over us getting billboard applications up here, housing developments up here, other mixed use, they're all waiting in this pipeline that we hear about every single day and they can help fund this. And that's great. But until that time, I think we need to say beautiful, it's beautiful, and no one's denying that. But I think, I think there is a, uh, I think there needs to be a moment where we then say, okay, we want to look at this and move forward. I don't know where I'm at yet with that. It sounds like there might be some conversation. Um, but I am concerned about the backlog of stuff that is going on in UDAS um, that, that is I think being held up by a lot of beautiful dream projects, but I think we need to continue to do the work of, of the city. So that's where I'm at, um, and it sounds like there might be some conversation around a motion. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Councilmember Heilman, I saw you right there. Yes, thank you, Mayor. I just wanted to respond to a few comments and, and reiterate a few things that you said. Um, in terms of this, promoting mobility, I think we have to look very carefully, as you said, about high-profile vehicles, um, uh, particularly public safety vehicles and fire trucks. This is a route for a lot of those, and I don't want to um, in any way slow them down as they're trying to get to Cedars in particular. Secondly, I, I just want to second what the mayor said. We're going to consider 5B. And I just want to point out, we promised the community a parking lot, a surface parking lot at Crescent Heights and Santa Monica. That project is still languishing. Eight years later, we can't get that done. And that's a fairly easy project. And yet we're, you know, talking about this. And then finally, um, in terms of us doing things that are modern and 20th century, I, I just want us to, I want to remind us all, we just opened the ARC. It's a beautiful state-of-the-art um, project. It, it's not that I'm afraid of doing those things. I'm in favor of us doing those things. I'm just not sure that this is what, this is the direction that the council gave, and it seems like staff is driving the conversation rather than the council. Yes, thank you. So, um, just because, Councilmember Hammond brought it up. The, the problem with the parking lot at Crescent Heights, doesn't that have to do with the mediation issues? I don't think that's a design issue. I think the design was done years ago. Is that right? Yeah. yeah Jackie? Um, good evening. Yes, that is correct. I mean, there's there were a number of factors, and we have Helen and Steve here that may be able to add, but remember that there was um, environmental mitigation that had to take place, and we had to work with the state to meet those environmental requirements. So that did delay the project. It wasn't so much, um, you know, the design itself, but you know, that is, the project is in plan check right now and will be, you know, moving forward pretty quickly yeah. now. And we can talk about that in the next in item. In the next item. But I just wanted to make sure that that was clear. And then Rick, um, in terms of 
staff time for this project, how much time do you think you, your department's gonna have to deal with this versus whatever consultants you were planning to bring forward on this? Uh, depending on the, the recommendation, the first couple years are really gonna be grant and funding aspects. So a lot of that is just working with consultants on grant writing. Um, it's not a tremendous amount of staff time and really would um, be part of some of the other work we do on a daily basis anyway, um, where the, the, the greater part of the work comes is as the design has to be uh, brought back to council and, and moving forward with construction drawings, there's a little bit more okay. time. All right, I, I would like to make a motion if I may. Yes, please. Okay, um, I'd like to make a motion to go with the alternative recommendation to direct staff to retain a technical consultant uh, estimated cost of 130,000 and increase the budget for the current design and consulting team estimated cost 95,000 in order to complete the required technical study within six months in order to apply for the July 2024 grant application deadline for the Los Angeles County Safe Clean Water Infrastructure Grant Program. I'd also like to direct staff with that motion to work directly with Metro to ensure that we don't have any issues, any con conflicts um, or um, you know issues that are gonna come up later that everyone thinks about those things in advance. And I would love to find out what's wrong with that storm drain that they just put together. They just worked on that like 15 years ago, LA County storm drain. So anyway, that's not part of my motion, but um, you've got my motion. So if that is the motion, then you also should add the $225,000 to fund that. Yeah, well, I did. I, it's in the I said those amounts. The yeah, but yeah. that's as you're okay, also so allocating the two hundred. Allocating 225000 from, from general, fund reserves. general fund reserves. Thank you. Wonderful. There and is I'll a second. Thank you so much, Councilmember Shine. There is a first and a second. And please, and if there's no further session, go ahead and vote. All right, the motion passes three to two. It is 8.06. We are gonna move on to 5B and 2H, and we are going to take a 10-minute break before we, are, are we okay with taking a break, or do my colleagues wanna keep going? Okay, we'll take a five-minute break. Okay, five. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna chase Councilmember Heilman back, and then we'll get started. So we'll be back in about five minutes.
meeting again. So if we can ask everyone to please take your seats. And we're gonna do items 2H and 5B together. Is, is that okay? Okay, great. I mean, you agreed to it. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Wonderful. I see we have all of our amazing staff up there. So um, we're going to do 2H and 5B together. So update on capital projects implementation, and then 2H is very long title, and you can go from there. Um, so let's uh, have a staff report, and we'll start from that. Uh, good evening, Mayor and City Council. It's Brian League with Property Development. Um, staff is going to provide a brief update on, we're going to provide our quarterly update on major capital improvement projects. Now you've combined it with the other item, but I thought we would be up here just to take questions and, and we have no formal presentation. I know that the council has a number of questions they've already asked about the parking lot, so I, I defer to you, Mayor, on how you want to start teeing up the questions. Yeah, sounds good. So um, we're going to go over to questions from my colleagues on 2H and 5B. Um, so I'll just start with 5B. Um, I wanted to ask about 8305 Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh, in the staff report, you talk about that there are two suites, and one suite will be for the CARES team, and there was no uh, um, plan for the other suite. And I just wondered if it was... I don't think we have uh, a spot for block by block in Center City. I mean, I know we have one on the west side, we have one on the east side, but not in Center City, and I thought maybe that would be a good use of the space, is to give that, uh, let uh, block by block be there while, you know, while it's open. I, I could say that's something we'd look into, and you're correct, there's only one space that's spoken for right now. Okay, and I'll hold my questions on 2H, because I, I, I'm actually, I feel like it's a different. No worries, we'll do yeah. 5B real yeah. quick, and then we can go to 2H. Okay. Yeah. Okay. On 5B, do any of my other colleagues have any other comments? Councilmember Heilman. Yes, and thank you. Thank you for the update. When I did the original item asking for these kind of updates, I thought it was important for us to at least see the progress and so we could uh, share any comments uh, and to make sure these projects are staying on track. The one, uh, you already heard my comments about the parking uh, temporary parking lot at Crescent Heights in Santa Monica, um, and I don't think all of the delay was related to remediation, I'll just say that, um, but in terms of the long-term use of that, have we begun a process for that, and um, what is that process going to look like? Uh, uh, Councilman Heilman, we, we began a, a process, we had brought on board an architect to begin to look at some concepts for the site. Um, we studied those and I th we're just putting them on hold right now. We have so many other priorities on that list on other projects that are ready to be implemented and so we're pr putting a hold on, on an ultimate use to that surface parking lot at um, 8120 until we have a better idea of, on the staging of some of these other projects. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just I would I would just add, Councilmember, that um, so the order prior, the order that they're listed here um, is the priority order. So right. th these earlier projects are things that we can get done right away before we turn our focus to some of those longer term projects. I, I just based on your comments and that you've hired somebody to look at preliminary things. I want to caution you based on my comments regarding the last item. This should be driven by the council and the community, not by staff. Um, and then the other thing I want to raise, and this um, is part of, I think, our responsibility as the council. There's the space out here that was to be a um, sort of a refreshment area. And then there's the space underneath the stairway that we haven't figured out what to do with. I think that should be uh, something that the council prioritizes. Uh, those spaces were supposed to be places where people using the park could get food, could get um, a snack, and I think it's a shame for them to be left vacant in the way they are. So maybe at some point the council can create a subcommittee to work with staff to identify various options for those locations. So that, that needs to come back to us at a later date, but I hope that's something that my colleagues would consider. But otherwise, thank you for the update and thank you for all your work on these many projects. I appreciate it. And I have some comments on 2H, but I'll wait for those. Council Member Shine, do you have any comments no. on 5B? Thank you. No, wait. Um, I, in regards to uh, 5B, thank you so much for the work you are doing. But my one question comes down to, where is it? Helen, yes. because I get asked this question every day, can, uh, when are you looking at the parking lot, a temporary parking lot? And just for the record, that was the second item I heard as a planning commissioner by then, I think, uh, Mayor Pro Tem, John Heilman. Um, I was his planning commissioner, and I heard that as a planning commissioner. So I'm glad to see that it's moving along. Um, but when are you expected to have it update, uh, open and ready to go? We're looking at um, probably the end of May. Um, we're hoping to, we're targeting the end of May. Right now, um, we actually met today with the architect. They're going in for the second round of plan check. Um, we think that we've solved all the questions in regards to plan checks, so we're hoping to, we're hoping to go out to bid with that probably in the next, once they get it into plan check, with, which they're thinking they'll do by the end of the week, then we can go out to bid um, while it's in plan check for the second round because we feel all the issues have been resolved. Um, so I would say end of May, but hopefully this rain doesn't continue. We don't, if we have a wet season, it may be difficult, but um, if the weather cooperates, we would hope to be done by the end of May. Wonderful. And then uh, my question, my next question is for City Manager Wilson. If this council chose to, could we um, approve any type of um, bonus fee or bonus for uh, whoever gets the bid getting it done um, by May? Um, I specifically am thinking about the businesses there in Center City um, that would really and have been looking forward to this parking for longer than I've been on this chair. Um, but. Um, I'm thinking about Pride, I'm thinking about Halloween. Um, is it possible to do that from a city standpoint? 
Oh, look at it, but as you can see, it's number one on the list. I understand, (laughs) but when things are number one, it might not be so true. (laughs) Um, We certainly, I I think it's more the process that takes longer than the construction line, because we are talking about a surface parking lot, but we can certainly look at um, any potential bonuses when we come back with the bid for council. Great. Thank you so much. Um, Just because I sit on this subcommittee and this list while easy for our eyes. Rick, I know you've been helping a lot with the um, stories, the AIDS monument. Could you just give a quick um, update that doesn't include this graph? Because uh, I'm trying to, I want the public to be aware of where that's going, because I, I hear it has some fresh life. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. Um, staff is looking at coming back to the subcommittee end of March, early April, hopefully with some good news, some preliminary indications that we're going in a really good direction. Um, and so we'll be coming back to the staff, uh, the subcommittee in advance of bringing the final design and budget to the city council for approval shortly thereafter. Thank you so much, Rick. I know you've been working on that one. All right, I have no more comments on 5B. We can switch to 2H. Um, Mayor, before we leave this, I, I'm fine with this being on consent in the future, and then we can pull it if we have comments. but. I, th- I think just as long as we're getting a regular update, I'm comfortable with that, um, if, if my colleagues are comfortable with that. I'm going to do questions on 2H, and then we'll go to, we have three public commenters, but I was going to do that after our questions on 2H. But if uh, my colleagues want to go to co- public comment, we can and do it all at once. I'm, I'm okay. indifferent. Because I guess staff has to come, who did 2H? Yeah, staff is going to come on down for 2H for questions. They're getting a late workout. I didn't think Helen was going to be able to answer no, those Well, questions. Helen answers a lot of questions, but, you know, <laughs> we're very thankful to Helen. I don't think she wants to answer these questions. <laughs> All right, Councilmember Meister, let it go for it. <laughs> so um, I'm looking at the grid that you included in the staff report. Um, and I guess, uh, well, okay, my first question is, on the French market, uh, French market, I, my understanding is that someone... Now the entitlements are expired, right? So now the, that project is dead, and there is a, a lease for a new for something there. Do we know anything about? I mean, because I just don't want to see this be vacant any longer. Right, I, I agree. And the the owner of the property has told us that they are working on getting a tenant in that building, and that would re, that would include rehabilitation of the building. Um, so we're, we're hopeful that that will come in soon. They've been in talks with us uh, for the last few months about that. So is there a tenant or we don't know? They haven't applied for that yet, so I, I don't know. But what I'm, what I'm told is that, yes, there will be a tenant in there. Okay, and since that uh, the entitlements are expired, um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, a whole bunch of trees were cut down from the parking lot uh, for that development. What are we doing about that? Will those trees be replaced, or at least some of them? Um, we can look into that. At the, they, at the time that they were cut down, they were part of a development that didn't require the, re, the, the replacement of those. So we can look into whether we can include or ask the developer to include additional trees in that development. Okay, right, because it just uh, it's a little annoying that all those trees, uh, I think there were like 12 of them that were taken down uh, and and really now for no reason. Um, on um, 
8920 Sunset Boulevard, uh, there is um, building permits issued, permits withdrawn by developers. So what does that mean? And, and, and do they have to start over? So they're in the process of requesting additional time. They haven't quite expired yet. Um, and so that's something that's going to be before the Planning Commission very soon and then before the Council as well. Okay, and then uh, just a, a request that I had for, you know, when we do these updates in the future is that we have a lot of developments here that are not within uh, our zoning, right? I mean, our current zoning code. Um, and I don't even mean like, you know, I, 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 we're talking about nine-story an 11 story and 25 story and 34 story. I would like to know what those projects would look like uh, in terms of their zoning, what they would be if they weren't looking for bonuses. Um, I know you can't calculate housing bonuses until you know what a density is, what the density is, or the number of dwelling units. Um, but it would be helpful for me to have that information um, because I'm wondering, all of these, well, okay, I don't want to talk because I, we have public comment. I'll, I'll say it after. Thank you. Item. Thank you very much, Councilmember Meister. Item 2H, do any of my other colleagues have questions on this? I, I do have a question, and I appreciate the information you shared about what the developer's plans are when the project uh, permits seem to have expired or they're getting close to it. Uh, you know, the intention of this item when I uh, asked staff to bring these forward was so that we would get some intelligence rather than just uh, the permits have expired. Well, then then what else? What next? What are we doing to, you know, uh, or what is the developer, the property owner planning for these projects? So if that kind of information that's publicly available could be shared, that would be really, uh, I think, helpful and useful so we know, are they trying to get new financing to bring this forward or are they, have they scrapped the plans and are they gonna come back with something new? We don't always know, but if we have that information, I think it would be useful. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member. Do you have any questions on 2, um, 2H? No. Vice Mayor Byers? No. Um, uh, thank you so much for preparing this list. Um, on item three, Robertson Lane, 645-681, um, I know I've spoken to you about this, but what is stopping the city from tearing down those buildings and putting a surface parking lot? It's not applicable to our housing aspect where we wouldn't tear something down until the building permit is issued to keep the housing. This is a commercial-owned space. What's stopping us? So in the, de in the demolition permit section of our zoning ordinance, it, it says that we s issue a demolition permit at the same time as a building permit for the replacement. There is a, a provision for early demolition that includes, um, that has certain requirements. Those requirements are that they have to have a, an application in for a building permit, so they're in plan check. They have to have, they have to show us executed contracts with the architect, engineer, and contractor. They have to show us construction, proof of construction financing has been committed. Um, and they have to submit their performance bond and any other conditions of approval that have to be satisfied prior to issuance of demolition permit. 
So once they show all of those things, we can sign off on an early, what we call an early demolition permit, which happens before the building permit is issued. Is there anything stopping the council, for example, if they met two out of the three, one out of the three from making an amendment to that process, or do they have to be in compliance with all three for us to do it? Are you talking about changing the... It's a site-specific plan, right? Robertson Lane site-specific, and I see Nick's going. You're yeah, doing maybe great, I'll, but... Yeah. Maybe I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll jump in, Mayor. So there is a provision um, that uh, allows for, I, I believe, an alternative process where a proposed interim use uh, satisfies a public need, mm -hmm. uh, and the code says that that can be as determined by the Planning Commission at a public hearing, so that is something we're discussing great. as a potential option uh, for, uh, for that site should, uh, should they wish to pursue uh, that early demolition. Do you, I mean, so you, I guess what I'm saying is there's a, there is a process yeah, that, that would allow for that's that. That's very clear, and I think we would agree that there's a need for parking, right, on Robertson Boulevard. I think that we would we would bring we that forward to, to the that, decision yes, makers. Yes, let them obviously. Make thank you so much. Um, <laughs> no, I'm uh, exactly um, in regards to. Uh, a comment Councilmember Heilman made regarding the underbelly of the staircase um, in that area. I know we have dealt with the coffee shop, not coffee shop area right here. I miss it for the record. I needed that jolt. Um, are we envisioning or looking at anything in that space right now? I didn't hear an answer, but it would be great to know. I mean, we own that space. It could be great for... Uh, uh, LGBTQ-owned business, a women-owned business, a minority-owned business. We could be the exact type of landlords we pitch for people. Is there any envisioning or idea for that at the moment? I think um, in community development, we would defer to our colleagues uh, yeah. in property development so, or Yeah, facilities. so, um, I mean, we have looked at some different lease options for that space um, because it's the way it was built and <laughs> configured. It doesn't have a restroom, like you can't have a real kitchen in there. Um, so there are some challenges with it, but I think Councilmember Howman's idea was a good one of having a subcommittee look at all of these lease spaces, both yep. that one, the space here um, that Block by Block is in, as well as the space across the street from City Hall. Is there anything stopping the rec department from using it for yoga, seniors, are seniors in action, or anything like that? Yeah, that's one of the things that we've considered okay. and talked about. Great. Um, I think that concludes all of my questions, and I don't see any more from my colleagues, so we're going to go to public comment on items 2H and 5B. Um, I see the first person on my list as Victor Omanchenko, but I do know that we had a couple of others, and I think he is followed by Nick Roybal, if I'm not mistaken. So Victor and then Nick. Victor Omolchenko, West Hollywood. Thank you so much, Councilmember Heilman, for requesting this kind of an update. I think it is very, very valuable, and the questions that you've been asking are very good, too. What I'd like to talk about is, very quickly, uh, the item about the infrastructure improvements. Within 5B, there is mention made of the renovations that are going to be conducted at the log cabin, and it's going to continue being a recovery center. And then there's also mention made of the work that's going to be at our heart park, our historic heart park. So 
I would just like to say as a member of the West Hollywood Preservation Alliance that it would really have been wonderful to have seen the Historic Preservation Commission mentioned within those two sections on those two very important properties. And I know we were talking about the AIDS memorial. There is an AIDS memorial there. And I commented uh, two weeks ago, we really need to clean up the AIDS Memorial, the first one in this fine city from years ago. And then regarding the foundation for the AIDS Memorial, it would be interesting to know uh, how much money has been raised over the years. And also when I see a term in the report like you're gonna look at value engineering because you didn't get many consultants applying for it. I get very nervous about the term value engineering. Sounds very mas barato. Now, the other thing is um, my thing just went through and I, jumping to number uh, 2H, thank you. We're waiting for the Melrose Triangle to be built. When is it going to be built? We no longer will be eating pancakes at the IHOP, but this is the pancake building scheduled for 9034 by the same company, the Gabay family-owned Charles Company. Unfortunately, the developer is in federal prison. What is going on with these projects? And they also have historic implications, and I'll be able to share with that with you in the future because there are some historic properties there that could be in danger on Herod Street. Herod Street. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Victor. Um, and just for our city clerk's purposes, I think it's only fair since we're taking two items that if people go over just a little bit, we'll keep going. You did great, Victor. You did great. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, but if you sing at public comment, we'll think about it. You know, I'm joking. Thank you, Victor, very much for your comment. Nick Royball to be followed by Rick Watts. One second, please. Let me just get that. That was wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Um, hi, Mayor Erickson, Vice Mayor Byers, and Council. A couple things. Um, in listening, Councilmember Hallman, to your to the tension about where we are at with our capital projects. Imagine how the public feels. So I appreciate, Mayor Erickson, how you asked staff to give an update about the AIDS monument, because it's the first item I would like to speak about. I ask of you and staff to put out on social media, to put out on all of our channels where we are at with the AIDS monument, because I hear from our stakeholders, from our interest groups, they're frustrated. There is tension in the community. Where is the AIDS monument? What is going on with that? And I hear it over and over again. So if we can use our social media channels, if we can use whatever tool the city has in their toolbox, I think it would be beneficial for all of us in community. Second, the punting of the playhouse. In the staff report, the following phrases were used. We need to refine the design. We need to find cost savings. We need to strike a balance. We need to have the realities of today. So if we're applying those phrases by staff to the playhouse and punting that project, we need to apply that same, those same ideas to 2M. About the Pummer Park Comprehensive Plan, it's very important, and I just want to shout out Stephanie Harker, Kathy Blavis, for all their work on Plummer Park, and we must remember the trees at Plummer Park. We must remember the trees. The trees were not in that, but trees are everything, and trees have a language that if we listen to them, 
we wouldn't be doing 2M. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. And our last speaker, Rick Watts. Thank you, Council. Rick Watts, City of West Hollywood. Uh, three things. Number one, um, regarding the lot at uh, Santa Monica Boulevard and Crescent Heights, um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that at least some temporary use is, uh, is, is pending to finally be made on that, that, that property. Um, ultimately, ultimately, I'd like to see uh, affordable housing go in there. But also, one other thing that I would, would like to see considered, because you're only going to get one shot at this, given where that is located at a, at a quasi-major intersection, Crescent Heights and Santa Monica Boulevard, um, to consider carving off a, uh, uh, a piece of that when the, uh, the ultimate plans for the property are done, uh, to use for widening that, uh, the, the south side of, of, uh, uh, of Crescent Heights for uh, turn lanes and maybe a merge lane to southbound and maybe eventually uh, on that other corner, on the, uh, the southeast corner, because you're only going to get one shot at really making corrections to that intersection. Uh, second thing, uh, 1280 Sweetser is another uh, property that uh, has uh, had plans that, that expired and expired again and uh, uh, we're still waiting for that to, to, to happen. Th uh, thankfully, uh, uh, Director of Public Safety Rivas uh, and the, uh, the now court-appointed receiver are making some progress on mitigating the hazards of that property that have been long-standing and, and uh, causing a lot of problems for the neighbors over there, but I think that that's another one that I would like to see updates on and perhaps council can weigh in uh, with the receiver on uh, pushing forward on progress on that. And then lastly, um, uh, I, I hope that you would all reconsider, those of you who voted against uh, uh, Councilmember Meister's uh, uh, advocacy on a, a vacancy tax, that you would reconsider this for, for the, uh, the future. And uh, as to the AIDS monument, uh, again, um, this being now 40 years for me uh, as a, uh, someone with HIV, two of which were full-blown AIDS, I would like to see that finally go forward. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rick. All right, I'm going to turn it back over to my colleagues um, to start some comments. Um, and I'm going to look over to my left. Councilmember Heilman, do you have any comments, additional direction? No additional, uh, no additional comments for me. Thank you. I'm just going to keep going left to right. Vice Mayor Byers. No, I just appreciate the vision to bring this uh, sort of tool for us to keep uh, you know, checking in on these projects. Thank you for the work on this. That's all. Councilmember Schein, do you have any further comments or direction on these two items? Nope, thank you. Councilmember Meister. Thank you, Mayor. Um, a couple of things. One, uh, Victor brought up the AIDS uh, memorial at Hart Park, and I know we'll, we're going to be you know, up doing upgrades to Hart Park, so let's make sure that we include that as well. Uh, and Helen is giving me the thumbs up, so I guess that's already in the, uh, in the works. Um, uh, as far as what Rick Watts brought up at uh, the intersection, uh, at Santa Monica and Crescent Heights. I think that's a very valuable um, uh, request uh, because uh, I've had other requests asking about left turn lanes at that, at that intersection that would make it safer. It really gets, um, the traffic there is really, really bad when there's somebody waiting to make a left turn. Everyone's just totally freaked out there. Um, I do want to bring up, um, 
One of this, the 9034 uh, 90, uh, Sunset Boulevard project, you know, it's not only about that project, but as someone mentioned, Herat, that's the backside of that project, if I'm, if I'm right. And, and now that, that property has been sitting vacant for years and years and years. It's now falling apart. It was historic, I believe, or is historic. And, you know, at some point we have got to, we have got to put our foot down. Look at all of these projects. I mean, there are 14 projects and, and most of them are, are going nowhere fast. Um, and it's just, it's making our city just look bad. I mean, that was one of the reasons that I brought forward vacancy, the commercial vacancy tax and, and uh, uh, Council Member Schein uh, was uh, a co-sponsor on that because we can't have all these vacant spaces and these properties not allowing them to demolish or to not, to make, to vacate those properties is just really bad for our uh, commercial corridors. It's bad for their commercial neighbors. It's bad for the residents. It's uh, a public safety issue. It's, it's, it's blight. Um, and it just, to be quite honest, I have had so many comments, and I think Council Member Heilman has brought this up as well, that, you know, residents feel like our city, is, what is happening to our city? And when you look at all of these very, very big, ambitious projects, you know, you have to wonder if, if maybe they weren't so ambitious in terms of being 36 stories high, maybe they would get them done faster. Maybe they would be able to go through the process faster. Maybe they wouldn't have opposition from residents. So I just, I just wish developers would look at that and at, least, and at least think about putting our city first, you know, really. Um, I also, um, you know, want to say, look at the Melrose Triangle. So, okay, so they vacated the property, then they didn't take care of the property, then the property had transients going in, so then, so then it became a public safety issue, so then they were allowed to demolish it, then it sat empty, you know, an empty lot for, for years, then they said, okay, we're going to dig a hole, and now we have a, a three-story hole in the ground and no activity whatsoever. For, for years. It's just, it's just not acceptable. And I think, you know, I know we've, you know, we've, we've worked on this with vacant properties, um, with uh, Danny's team, but we have to, we have to come up with some planning, you know, codes that, that just, that just disincentivize this type of non-activity. <laughs> So that's, I mean, just looking at this, and I agree with Councilmember Heilman that, you know, knowing what the zoning is so that we know exactly what the property, you know, could be on in a, you know, in a, in a world where people weren't looking for, you know, 36 stories. And also, really, what is the intel? Because from this, honestly, like, I don't really know, um, you know, I, I don't know that the Melrose Triangle is going to do anything. I, I don't. And that I think is just not a is just not a good thing for this city. Thank you. Are you a good vice mayor? Okay. Um, thank you so much to our public commenters and to our. Yep, Nick, go ahead. If I if I could, just a quick point of clarification. Um, Councilmember Meister, earlier you were referencing um, us adding additional information for future updates about the zoning. We did submit a memo um, 
on oh. the council item that has an updated chart with the zoning information? I didn't get the memo, sorry. <laughs> uh, so we do have that, but if there's anything okay. further that you're looking to be in that column, I mean, we can obviously um, supplement that. You know, It is difficult to add every permutation and right. bonuses beyond the cities, but we did attempt to. Well, I think what it does yeah. is it puts it in context. It yeah. gives you the perspective. Okay, they're they're in a you know a a a, a three C and they want you know yeah. eighty feet. It 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 puts it all in perspective. So thank you. I appreciate it. I will look at it tomorrow. It's very it's thank very you. riveting. You'll have a great time. Um, thank you so much, uh, staff, and to the members of the public that spoke. Um, I agree with what's being said by my colleagues. I'm happy to have this come back on consent, and we can pull it. I think this additional information was really good. Um, you know, and I think uh, Councilmember Meister, to your point, I mean, nothing's happening at the Melrose Triangle, and it won't. They have to do that work by. They had to pour a lot of concrete, and they needed to start doing it a while ago by the March 19th uh, entitlement deadline, and it's not gonna happen. And I think that's, you know, that's unfortunate, and I know that project has been through many iterations, and some more, and then some more after that. So, you know, how we continue to hold that person once he gets out of federal prison, to what one of the public commenters said, accountable, um, is I think something that is I'm, I'm interested in as well. Um, that's also why I asked the question around progress, right? Um, you know, Robertson Lane, you know, I understand there was a financing issue with the, a death in the family, um, and I understand that that's a serious thing, and I'm not getting involved in that family drama, um, but they did make a promise to the city, but how can we then ensure a little bit of progress, right? And I think there is a need for parking on Robertson Boulevard right across from the most popular gay bar, LGBT bar, and. North America, right? You know, and the highest Uber drop-off point in every way. Thank you, Jackie, for always reminding me of that stat. But I think that at least shows progress in whatever way we can. And, you know, and we did have the scare regarding vacant properties, you know, and I think how we can continue um, to provide any type of public benefit. And if that is parking, one of them, not, I don't know. Um, you'll figure it out and you'll come back to us. Um, one thing I didn't see on here is the bond project on Ogden. Am I just not reading it right? No, I think that was an oversight. We'll, we'll include it on the next one. Great, because I know that one has a lot of community. I know I'm looking at my colleague's face right now. Um, it's great. Um, but I think that, however, we can just make sure that we double check this list. I had to Google all these addresses and I just. I was lose. I was trying to make sure I didn't forget anything, um, but that's okay because I think it goes to the point that my colleague said: is there's a lot, and so um, I don't think this is just a receive and file at this time. I think you've gotten your direction, so I think we'll thank you for your service and we'll move on to item 5C, um, the update on the fiscal year 2023-2024 mid-year operating budget and work plan priorities, and I believe that's going to be you, David, or Chris. Oh wait, or is it Christine? Melissa? I, I'm sorry, I didn't see you coming down. Christine Seyfried, come on down. And do my colleagues want a full presentation on this or an abbreviated presentation? Abbreviated, are you okay with that? You don't need a presentation? Councilmember Shine, would you like a would presentation? Like an, abbreviated presentation. an abbreviated presentation, thank you so much, all right.
Thank you. Could we get the, um, we don't need a, can we take down this? We don't need a, um, a presentation up on the screen. There we go. Okay. Thank you. Um, good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, and Council Members. Uh, I'm Christine Saperit, Assistant to the City Manager. I'm so pleased to introduce Melissa Lindley, our new Budget Officer, to you. Um, Melissa will be presenting the abbreviated Mid-Year Budget Update to you this evening. Good evening, Mayor. Is that working? No. Okay. Thanks. Good evening, Mayor, Vice Mayor, Council Members, Melissa Lindley. I will provi provide a brief overview of the city's budget. First, a recap of last fiscal year, FY23, which reflects a second year of strong economic growth following the lifting of pandemic-related restrictions. FY23 revenues came in $20 million above budget at $160 million, reflecting significant growth in taxes, permits, signage, re signage revenues, and interest earnings. FY23 expenditures came in 11 million below budget at 128 million, resulting in a year-end surplus of $31 million. The current fiscal year, FY24, began with a balanced budget of 151 million for revenues and expenditures. Mid-year actuals for July through December are on track, with year-to-date revenues reaching 74 million, or 49% of the original budget, and year-to-date expenditures totaling 68 million, or 45% of the original budget. Council previously approved supplemental expenditures of 2.3 million. We are recommending mid-year budget adjustments to increase revenues by 2.6 million and increase expenditures by $208,500. The recommended adjustments will result in a balanced mid-year budget of 153 million for both revenues and expenditures. Attachment A to the staff report shows the approved and proposed budget adjustments. Attachment B includes an update of the FY24 departmental work plan priorities developed as part of the two-year budget. Attachment C provides an overview of the budget schedule, development of the FY24-26 two-year operating budget and five-year capital plan will begin in late February, early March. Thank you and we're available for questions. Do any of my colleagues have questions? Go ahead, Councilmember Shine. Thank you. Um, so, if you can just repeat really quickly, in FY22, what was the surplus in revenue that we had? Oh, in FY23, last fiscal year. FY22. In FY22, the surplus was 22 million. Okay. 22.9 million. 22.9 million. And FY23, what is the surplus? 31.3 million. Okay. Can you, um, and that surplus includes, uh, I'm just trying to understand the numbers um, to be very clear. How much of that was, uh, you said it was a reduction of expenditures. What is the actual just revenues in FY22 versus FY23? In FY22, they were 136.3 million, and in FY23, 159.78 million. And in FY21, it was 89 million? Correct. Okay, because of the pandemic? Yes. Okay. Um, when I was mayor and I was in the budget uh, subcommittee, um, 
our city manager and all of you said that the revenue that we had in FY22 was the largest revenue that we've ever had to date. Is that correct? Okay. So that's amazing. And what I'm hearing now then is we've even surpassed that. Is that right? That is absolutely incredible that in FY22 and in FY23, our city not only recovered from the pandemic, but we have two years of back-to-back -back surplus in revenue. There are, I don't know what other city in the region at all can say that. That is an absolute success story, and that is with us including the highest minimum wage in the country with paid time off and sick time for all and passing a hotel ordinance that protected workers in the city where we got so much pushback saying that our economy was gonna dive, our economy was gonna tank, the city was gonna lose all of their sales tax revenue. But look at the numbers. The numbers and the data don't lie. This is phenomenal. While other cities are having so much uh, deficit still, not only are we thriving, we have surpassed expectations. That is the success story, and those are the headlines that need to be covered. This is phenomenal, and this is West Hollywood, and I'm so, so happy that we are here, and thank you to our city manager and staff because um, a big part of the reason that we, we uh, chose you and hired you uh, really was to steward us into uh, an incredible place, and you've done that. And um, I really, really, I'm, I was thrilled. I was thrilled with these numbers. And um, everyone in the city should be really happy with where we are. And uh, the future is just even brighter. And you too are thrilled, Christine, because it's questions right now. And so that's a great question to end on. I love it. You know, we, we let the spirit go. Um, but I'm sure Christine would answer that question with she is too thrilled. Uh, do any of my other colleagues um, have questions? Otherwise, I do have one, uh, just one right now, public speaker on this item. Any other questions? Okay, sounds good. Um, oh, I just went to church a little bit. Um, Victor Omenchenko, uh, please come on up. One of the, Victor Omolchenko, West Hollywood, one of the most important things we're talking about is the budget. John Heilman taught me, you got to look at these things. I'm so happy that you pointed this out, council members, Shine, in terms of the revenues, the funds that have been coming up, even with the societal changes that we've been, you know, undergoing. I, this city is, I think, doing quite well. And I really like the focus on talking about the dinero, yenge, roshi, money. But at the same time, I do have to suggest, having looked over this report, um, the, um, I think it would be enhanced. It, it's, I've looked over these budgets before, and uh, it would be enhanced if there were a section in it about what the status of 
our personnel is in the city because the biggest line item is for wages you know and benefits and i know there are always suggestions like you've heard from the west hollywood preservation alliance when are we going to get a full time perhaps historic preservation specialist in the planning division but i think what would be really good is um, in terms of looking over the report and having in there material that says we began the fiscal year with this many FTEs, this is the kinds of positions that we wanted to fill, but during the last six months, these folks left, now we're in this hiring stage, so that we can all, as citizens, as well as, as, as our elected officials, know how the staffing is going in the biggest amount of money that does appear in this budget. So, our positions needing to be filled, um, are there gaps? Is there an opportunity to get temps in? I think, I know that the parameters of this budget have been uh, the way they've been up to this point, but as I looked through it, I didn't see much discussion about the status of personnel unless I missed it. So forgive me, but I think that is kind of material that would be helpful for you to make uh, continued wise judgments about how our city is financially doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Victor. Next up, we have Nick Royval to be followed by Rick Watts. Wonderful. Thank you, Mayor Erickson and Vice Mayor Byers. I am being very strategic, by the way, how I am talking about things tonight, which you will see. Um, I would like each of you to turn to page 8 of 13 in the staff report. Um, about the bike lane on Santa Monica Boulevard and funding that, that is going to be a source of tension with 2M, FYI. So funding for that, as we look at Prop C funds, because we realize we can't fund it with Prop A, I just want to let everybody know 2M is going to come in tension with that, just so everybody's there. And lastly, I want to say that I am against the funding allocation of $195,000. I do not think we should be using that money for 2M. I think it does not, and for this reason alone, City Manager Wilson, it does not align with the community safety and well-being strategy that your office set forth for this city. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nick. I no longer see our final speaker, so we're good. All right. Um, I know this item um, is... Uh, tertiary in the sense that it's going to come back in June, but I'm going to go back to my colleagues for any other further comments or direction. Uh, Council, I, I'm sorry, I see Councilmember Meister on the screen. Stop looking over to the I right. I did, I'm what sorry. Happened? You know, I'm trying to be equal here. <laughs> so I, had, I actually have a couple of questions and then uh, some comments. Um, the all other revenue, what does that encompass? Is that mainly the billboards? All other revenue. I think interest as well. Yeah. I'm sorry. Interest. Okay. One second. We'll get to the page for you. Okay. So, and I'm just going to say what I noticed is where the increase has happened since the last fiscal year is primarily TOT, uh, transit or uh, occupancy tax, property taxes, and all other revenue. And what hasn't increased is sales taxes. And what I would attribute that to is the fact that we do have so many vacant storefronts 
that we are not seeing what, you know, a, a, a proportionate increase there as we have seen, you know, where to, in comparison to the other, to the, where we have seen increases. So, um, did you have an answer? Okay. Um, so regarding all other revenues, that is discussed briefly on page four of 13. Um, mostly all other revenues include charges for services. Um, in addition to the use of money and property, um, those include things like parking meters, um, building rents, and um, billboards, and then miscellaneous one-time or unpredictable revenue. So those could be one-time payments, like when we received the large ARPA payment, that was a one-time revenue. Okay, so what I would say then is, uh, again, that, that, you know, what the increases we have seen, TOT, property tax, and all of the revenue, what we really need to be doing, what, what this says to me is that we need to be focusing on filling those vacant storefronts. We need to be diversifying our economy. We cannot rely on billboards to be our primary revenue because at some point they will start to cannibalize each other just as you know we've talked about hotels uh, cannibalizing one another when, uh, when we did the hotel uh, marketing uh, uh, study. Um, so, you know, that's, I, I would really like to see us diversifying our economy more um, in order to see change in our, uh, positive changes in our sales taxes and, and filled storefronts. And then um, I'm hoping that plans for surplus go towards capital projects and, and reserves. I assume that's where they'll be going. Yeah, the majority will go towards the capital projects, right. um, as, long, as well as increasing our emergency reserves for um, things like the pandemic. Okay. You're stealing my comments, David. Great. <laughs> Super. Thank you. Thank you so much, Councilmember Meister. Councilmember Heilman. Thank you, Mayor, and thank you for the great work and the great staff report. Um, I have a very mundane uh, issue, and that is, um, Last year, I brought back an item about the Russian Cultural Festival, the Russian uh, Language Cultural Festival, whatever we're calling it, Mishka now. And I looked at um, the item and the, the amount that is attributable for that. It actually combines two items, uh, Eugene Maysky's Classical Music Night along with the Cultural Festival. And I don't think either one of them have been increased for several years and the costs of putting on those events have increased. So I was just gonna ask the city manager, I don't wanna bring another agenda item back, but if uh, he could look at that and see whether it's appropriate, number one, to separate those items uh, and have two separate budget items for those, and number two, if it's appropriate to try to increase the budget for those, because uh, as I said, I don't think they've been updated for some time. And that was my, my only comment, but otherwise, thank you and great job. Thank you so much. Council Member Shine. Thank you. Um, just uh, to yes and Council Member Meister's comments, I agree. And in fact, our business recovery task force uh, that is supposed to be uh, coming together uh, through the consultant, economic consultant, 
um, is for the diversification, success, and recovery of our businesses. So um, that'll be wonderful. But And uh, again, reiterating for staff to really push forward into streamlining um, our uh, code so that businesses can actually start up quicker and removing barriers for them is going to be essential in filling vacancies. I know that we are, um, after our uh, store vacancy item, tax vacancy tax item, we, uh, we're going to have a series of meetings and staff is going to meet with um, landlords and brokers to uh, see what, what can be done to uh, help uh, new businesses as well for small businesses opening up on that end. Um, I do want to comment uh, that um, a couple of things. Uh, West Hollywood Pride has also been a phenomenal success since uh, we uh, created WeHo Pride um, since 2021, 2022. Um, and last year was even more successful for the economic recovery and bringing tourism to our city. And I'm so glad that we chose to create WeHo Pride. Um, and I said this the night that we, we chose to have West Hollywood Pride um, the week that we chose was that we're not only going to get tourists during our pride, but we would get tourists during CSW pride and LA pride. Because at the end of the day, we're literally getting tourism for the entire span because most of the folks that come to uh, go to LA pride actually love to stay in our city because we will always be the LGBTQ city and safe haven. Um, and Sunset Strip, can't get better than the hotels that we have. Um, I do want to comment on uh, the staff uh, comments. I, uh, my recommendation is that we look into, I know we're gonna have the uh, Airbnb item, but in whatever way we can to um, increase funding for our code enforcement officers um, or supplement, bring funding into this department to really um, spruce up uh, code compliance. And uh, I'm concerned about the, the item that we passed um, with the LA County Sheriff's Department for a uh, compliance officer, or the PIO, public information officer, and a community liaison. We months ago approved um, uh, expenditures for these two positions. However, the uh, LA County Sheriff's Department has a freeze on hiring. So that leaves us with the illusion that we've added these positions. However, we can't actually fill them. And um, I advise us to look into, uh, can we create a community liaison position within the city staff um, that would interface between community, staff, and uh, the LA County Sheriff's Department 
in the meantime, because I'm really not sure how long this hiring freeze is going to take, and those two positions would be uh, really important to public safety for our uh, for our city. Thank you so much, Councilmember Shine, Vice Mayor Byers. Thank you very much, Vice Mayor Byers. Um, I too uh, thank you, staff, for all of your hard work. Um, I too uh, uh, say it every year: doom and gloom averted yet again. Um, I still have that mailer, um, but nevertheless, it's great to see the fiscal health of the city continue to be of a strong priority. Um, I believe we are in recognition or have gotten another financial award for how we report. That's great, and how we continue to do that, I want to thank our financial services staff for the great work that they do. Um, and I just want to reiterate that uh, something Councilmember Meister said is that um, while we do need to diversify our continued look at our sources of revenue, I, I do agree with that. Um, TOT did go up, which is, I think, a good sign of the continued recovery, and I do read Visit West Hollywood's continued um, emails regarding that, and they even showed that their occupancy went up compared to the rest of the region and the room rate being as strong as it is. Um, I know the Sunset Marquee was sold out this past weekend for the Grammys as well as many other hotels um, as well, so that's great that that continues to come in. And I even know, because I know David and Christine, you've been very conservative with these numbers, I'm sure, and so I'm sure at the end of the day um, it might even be higher, which is helpful to see that continued approach. Um, and then this just leads me back to relitigating the same point. Um, you know, I think while there are many, you know, aspects to these 14 projects that are here that we reviewed in the last one, this is millions and millions and millions of dollars on the table that we could do. So I think how we renew and we look at how we get these um, capital. Pro um, uh, these development projects moving forward, whether it's a billboard, whether it's a development, whether it's a housing project, if it's a housing project, it is bringing in amazing residents to our city, so how do we build and continue to lead the way? And I just want to say, I talk to people, um, I travel, I serve on a lot of committees, I know Vice Mayor Byers jumped in feet first uh, with uh, everything, and Every time I go to the National League of Cities, the California contract cities that serve on every committee, they say, we wish we were West Hollywood. Like, it's exactly what they say. They say, um, I was at the Clean Power Alliance meeting, uh, and I was showing uh, Council Member Gleam Davis the uh, item uh, on San Vicente, and while although I voted no, it's very beautiful, she said, God, what's it like to be a rich city? And I said, it's really great, but we have our businesses and our residents and our property owners and our community members to thank for that and our great city staff. And so um, I just want to say that this is a renewed commitment to see that however we continue to move forward with a strong fiscal position. It's hard to challenge uh, that even though progressive policies may spell doom and gloom, they actually produce quite a bit of money. Um, but additionally, um, I would, and I'm very interested in, David, you did steal my thunder a little bit, but I think that while good, more money is good, that doesn't mean that we get to go shopping on the city's credit card in terms of a lot of stuff. And I would like to see, or I believe you had a, a, a recommendation to how we, and I believe we talked about this when we served on the budget committee, uh, re-upping our investment in our um, rainy day fund. I believe it's 25% right now? Yeah, I would like to see that upwards to 30. 
um, if not higher. I, I'll leave that to be something that you consider, but I think if the pandemic taught us anything, it's how we continue to invest in, in these projects and moving forward. I don't know if my colleagues would disagree with look, had the city manager looking at moving it to 30% for rainy day, but if not, that's just a direction I would like to give. Yeah, that is certainly something that we can bring back with the two-year budget and an update to our finance policies that would increase those funds, those yep. reserves. It's good. We'll reinvest them in the in the piggy bank. All right. Seeing no other comments, uh, if anyone would like to make a motion to move the item. All right. Vice Mayor Byers, and we have a second by Councilmember Heilman, and we'll take a vote. All right, that passes five to zero. Thank you very much, our amazing team. Uh, we're gonna move right on to 5D, update put to public officials expense reimbursement policy pursuant to AB 1234 to include guidance related to international travel. David Wilson and, are you taking this one? And Christine is taking this one as well. Christine Seyfriot, take it away. Well, thank you and good evening again. Uh, Mayor, Long Vice Mayor, no Council Members, I'm Christine Seyfried, Assistant to the City Manager. With me tonight is David Wilson, City Manager. Um, I have a brief presentation. I don't need a staff report to my colleagues. No. Nope. Do we have any Great. public comment? N nope. All right. Let's go to Council Member comments. Do any of my colleagues have any comments on this item? Yes, thank you, and thank you for bringing this forward. I just believe that with respect to any foreign travel, it needs to be brought to the council and the council has to approve it. Um, I, I think, you know, for um, travel within the United States, pre-approved organizations, that's fine. But with respect to any international travel, that's the kind of travel that could raise concerns among the constituency. And I think it's very important that there be a clear uh, indication that the travel is necessary for uh, council members for educational purposes or for representing the city. So I think that needs to come before the council each time any foreign travel is proposed. Great. Anyone, council member Shine? Yes, um, I, I agree with council member Heilman about um, this coming to council. Um, and also I, am in favor of alternative A, which includes the airfare. Um, we as public officials, uh, uh, I think we make 1500 a month right now as public officials in the city. And uh, mm, some of us have multiple jobs in addition to the service that we um, provide and airfare, uh, this is a business, it would be a business trip, and so all of it needs to be covered, but it should come to council, I agree, for all those reasons. Um, I know that uh, we approved uh, Mayor Erickson going to um, uh, the Vatican, and the city of West Hollywood for the first time had presence um, uh, in partnership with, um, I forget the name of the, Skolas, Skolas um, had a presence in front of the Pope, and uh, Mary Erickson had incredible conversation with the Pope, and shortly after, um, there was a shift in um, uh, the policy of the Pope with regard to LGBTQ people 
um, and West Hollywood um, truly is not only an international destination, but um, we, as council members, um, there are many uh, incredible, there are, well, there are a few that I know of, of incredible opportunities for international representation. And so that's, I think that's important, something that um, uh, would be good for us to, um, to be at. So, right. yeah. Councilmember Meister, do you have any other comments? Oh, yeah. Um, yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, I, uh, one, agree with Councilmember Heilman that any, um, any uh, out-of-the-country foreign uh, travel should be, whatever the event is, should come before Council to, you know, for a discussion, uh, if there needs to be a discussion, to be approved on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, number two, I, I, I'm fine with the travel being included uh, that, you know, this, the city pays for the travel. However, as you know, we do have a budget of $50,000. And in 2023, 80% of that $50,000 was travel from two council members. So if, other, if two other council members had actually traveled, there wouldn't be a budget for them. So what I would suggest is alternative C, which isn't on there, um, to um, to have each council member have a budget of ten thousand dollars, if that's our budget, fifty thousand, to have a budget of ten thousand um, dollars. Santa Monica has a similar policy where each council member has has a budget. Uh, actually, theirs is less. I think theirs is eight thousand, but you know, let's say ten thousand. I also think that for the mayor, we may want to add 1,000 or 2,000 because there are conferences that the mayor has, for example, the Conference of Mayors, um, that other, um, that other um, you know, council members don't go to. Um, so I can see the value in that uh, as long as it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's for a mayor's specifically conference. Um, but I do think that uh, for, for fairness, that each council member should have that budget and I think what they do in Santa Monica is that if someone goes over their budget and they really want to go to something, they ask one of their colleagues if, who hasn't used up their budget if they would be willing to transfer some of their budget to them for their, for their uh, you know, whatever it is. But I just think for fairness, for the five of us, I think that we should each, you know, because just because one year you know, Councilmember Heilman or myself doesn't travel doesn't mean that that's not going to happen another year. And I don't want to have to be in a position where, who you know, who gets there first. It shouldn't be like that. It should be. It should just be a fair, even uh, split of that fifty thousand dollars with possibly additional funds for for uh, mayor uh, events. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah. Do you have a question? Yes, I, I'm just curious, Councilmember Meister, have you had an opportunity, I mean, you've been on council for many years, have, has there been a time where you weren't able to go because about someone it has ate nothing up all to the budget? Do, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that I'm looking at one council member spending 18500 and another spending 21000 another spending 9600 which is under 10000 and then two council members who didn't, who didn't spend, but 
may have wanted to go to National League of Cities or may have wanted, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have to be that. It should just be, we are five council members, we have equal, you know, uh, uh, responsibilities for the city and for whatever it is that we want to do. I had a, uh, family issues this year, which, which led me not to be able to travel. It doesn't mean it's gonna be like that next year. And again, I don't wanna have to worry about, oh, what about the budget? If you give me a budget of $10,000, I may or may not spend it, but that should be each council member's responsibility to, um, to be responsible for that $10,000 budget. My um, concern with that is um, it may bring up uh, depending on what council member likes or doesn't like another council member and may create issues. So um, I would say perhaps rather than going to another council member and saying, can I have your allotment? And then it makes it too political, in my opinion. What if the city manager then, you know, decides and goes, okay, well, they're not using this, and there's a, someone in between, and... Or, or the council you know. member can come back to council with an item that says, I need to spend more money on my... I, I need a more an additional travel budget. Let it be transparent. Let it be in the open. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Vice Mayor Byers. Thank you. Um, I just am recognizing, too, that the last time that the $50,000 budget, which isn't exactly what we're here to talk about, so specific, Specifically, it was more the reimbursement policy for the international travel portion. But if we're looking and talking about how that budget breaks down, that $50,000 hasn't been relooked at since 2015, yeah. most recently. So I think that's just a concern I would have as things have changed. And before, I, I, could, I could be in a realm of supporting a clearer breakdown. I've too wondered that question, like, what is mine of the 50,000? How do we deal with that? Um, but I would want us to look at this, maybe bring have staff bring something else back that looks at the 50,000 specifically, looks at potentially a different allocation, if anything. But I think the thing that's not being taken into consideration is the realm of appointments that we make and how many obligations that come up for us because of those appointments. I know much of the travel I did wasn't just picking my pet project conferences and going to them, but it was because I had to represent us as a city at those various committee places. So if we're gonna think about this, we should just think about it in a, maybe a more comprehensive way about how some of that gets distributed. And for the case tonight before us about the international travel piece, I am supportive of the alternative that includes the airfare, and I do support the idea that each uh, international opportunity would be brought back to the council for a full consideration. It wouldn't be a matter of just that being located on the pre-approved travel list, but it would be a specific conversation brought forward on a case-by-case -case basis. The rest of it, budget allocation and how that goes, I think we need to have the conversation at a different time, taking more into consideration. Thank you, Vice Mayor Byers. Yeah, I'm in support of Alternative A. Um, I believe that international trips are very rare. I think in my time being involved in the city, um, I believe Councilmember D'Amico went to a conference in Rome once, or France? I can't remember now. Rome? Italy? Sure. Love them. God bless. Um, and I believe there was a conference uh, that uh, Supervisor Horvath attended where she set up the sister cities with Paris as mayor at that time and was on transportation. Um, and it's very rare. And, you know, it's very rare to meet the Pope and then get him to change, you know, decades old, generations old church doctrine. But, you know, nevertheless. Um, but I think that that is an important transparency topic. So I'm um, in support of Alternative A um, as well as uh, coming back to council. It 
doesn't happen rarely. Um, in terms of what Councilmember Meister said, you know, I, I'm concerned about it because I've talked to these other cities and um, if, and I will say that uh, in regards to one city that you mentioned, and I won't say much less because that's their um, journey to travel, um, it's that uh, there is one council member that uh, uh, travels a lot of places and he takes his girlfriend and that's great, um, but uh, uh, he's, uh, I think, taken four other council members' uh, travel budgets on that council, which is fine. Um, but uh, it gets into a little bit of a murky territory for some of them because it feels weird for them to be personally sit personally or sitting on pots of money. And so I think it's a longer conversation. Happy to have that, but I think for right now, um, I think what's before us is uh, there. I don't know if any one of my colleagues would like to make that motion. Um, Vice Mayor Byers. So are we adding the direction as uh, Vice Mayor Byers said to look at committees that we are on, um, maybe there is a base amount for, like, you know, whatever it is, and then thinking yeah. about what the, what committees. I think it would be um, great for the team to come back with recommendations of different areas we can approach So this. we can add that direction. Yeah. I'm happy to add that direction. The budget's been outdated for some time, so if, there, if staff wants to bring back a further recommendation, reviewing uh, the $50,000 budget allocation for this, that'd be fine. Council yeah. Member I just wanted to clarify the motion that we're making tonight is to approve alternative A yes. and also give the direction that um, any foreign travel has to be brought back on a case-by-case -case basis to the council for approval. And then there's direction to continue looking at whether it makes sense to do an allocation or to increase the overall budget for travel uh, and if that's the motion, I'm supportive. Wonderful. I think we're all clear. David, did you need to say <laughs> I'm sorry, anything else? I, I didn't hear the last part. I was uh, it's including direction thing. for you all to look at the $50,000 amount, which hasn't been updated since 2015, and what other options or recommendations you bring to us as part of the budget. And yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Best so we can, we can have that discussion as part of the budget yeah. discussion, maybe with the budget subcommittee. Sure. Um, I think if we keep it all combined, the 50,000 still works because we've never gone over 40,000. Yeah. But if we have individual amounts per council member, then we may want to look at a higher number than Absolutely. breaking up that 50,000. And I'll five. just say, Council Member Meister, I can't wait for us to travel together. <laughs> uh, she's going. You're going. We're going. That's right. It's, it's, it's a long flight to get Adam Schiff to give us all that money to the log cabin. And let me tell you, I didn't want to take that red eye, but we did. Um, council, uh, council member, Lauren, Lauren, City Attorney Lauren Langer. I got a lot of C's going okay, on. Okay, so in order to accomplish that motion, I think under Section 4B of the resolution, we can add a, a point number four, which says all international travel requires prior approval by the city council. And then we'll remove the few international destinations that are listed on the pre-approved travel list, which is also attached to the agenda item. Sounds good. This is Christine. May yeah. I add one thing? We would, would we strike number three and replace it with your number four as a new number three? I'm sorry, say that one more time, Christine. Would we eliminate item Section B3, meetings and events must be approved by the city council on the list of pre-approved oh, organizations yes, and events? Yes, yes. I, I would, instead of saying that, I would say all international travel requires prior approval by city council. Agreed. Great. And then Vice Mayor Byers, Thank you. Nope. Great. You're, we're good. 
Sounds good. All right. I'm going to vote, and we're going to end this conversation. Great. Thank you very much. Five to zero. We're going to move right along. Uh, 6C, um, we moved uh, 6A and 6B to consent. Uh, we have appointments to, uh, Councilmember Heilman has appointments to make to the LGBTQ Commission and the Disabilities Advisory Board. Uh, yes, I'd like to appoint Michael Robert to uh, the LGBTQ Plus Advisory Board and Joseph Green to the Disabilities Advisory Board. I don't believe either one of them are present tonight, uh, but I think they're going to be great additions to both of those uh, entities. So I'm making those appointments tonight. And Melissa, I may have one more vacancy. Somebody may have to resign for work-related issues, but I'll notify you as soon as that happens. Thank you, Councilmember Heilman. And just for the record, um, these both of these appointments are for terms ending February 28th, 2025. Thank you so Thank much. You. Congratulations to our newly appointed people. All right, we're going to move on to excluded consent. We already covered 2H. We're going to move right on to 2J, which is an update on vacation short-term rental compliance efforts. I know as staff comes on down. Um, Councilmember Meister, did you want a full staff report for this? No? Do any of my other colleagues need a staff report? Understand. All right, so we'll go right into questions uh, for our amazing code compliance team. Uh, yes, please. Yeah, sorry. I was like, where I are you? I know you were asking questions. No, yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I had some questions about the staff report, um, and, maybe I, and maybe I missed something, uh, but on page two where you talk about the numbers, what, what period of time is that? Thank you, uh, Councilmember Meister. The, on page two and the table that's shown there for the various neighborhoods and the breakdown, that is a point in time count as of January 15th. And, and in comparison to, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to get to 2H here. I have to bear with me. So it's just, that's, that's literally like one day. That's that, like when we do the homeless count. That's correct. And those numbers for listings and units change sometimes daily. So it's a point in time, snapshot in time, of the total number of short-term rental listings and the total number of short-term units, rental units within the city as broken down by neighborhood. Okay, um, so how does that compare to the last time you did a place in time? So when we, um, on page three, we did a bar chart that went back to 2017. Uh, as we compare those uh, two periods of time, the numbers for January uh, of 2024 show a reduction in both listings and units. Okay, and that was, that was when we just started the program? Correct. Back in 2017 was when we first started the short-term rental uh, compliance effort. Okay. Um, my next question is, um, are, are short-term rental providers considered businesses? Because I know they, they have to get a, a, a register, right? Short-term rental uh, providers in the city that are licensed are, are called home sharing businesses. 
There are approximately 30 of those licenses that have been issued in the city. And to be clear, these businesses are only for single family dwellings or condos where the owner of that dwelling is present and residing as their primary residence inside that home and they rent out a room in that uh, home. That is called the home sharing business license. Those are the short-term, um, uh, you could call that a short-term rental um, business. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. I, I might add, if I could, uh, in our work with, for example, Airbnb, um, people who attempt to l put a listing on Airbnb are required to provide their home sharing business license number. If not, Airbnb will not accept that listing. Great. And, and the other short-term rental companies don't do that? We are working with them as part of our outreach and education. For example, VRBO right now has gone quote-unquote dark in West Hollywood for short-term rental listings. We are working with almost uh, close to a dozen different uh, platforms in providing outreach and education to them. We have direct communication with VRBO and Airbnb directly. One of the issues that I know the council is aware of is we have reports of people advertising units within the city of West Hollywood that are not actually located in the city of West Hollywood. When we find those units, we report them to Airbnb and they get removed okay. from their listing. Okay, I have uh, some comments, but I'll wait till after. Wonderful, do any of my other colleagues have questions on this item? Great, seeing none, we'll go to public comment. We have our first speaker, first speaker, Rick Victor Olmenchenko, to be followed by Rafael Camon. Did you want to speak on this item, Victor? Victor Omolchenko again, yes. Thank you for this report. I looked over it and um, the, I'm happy that the city passed the ordinance. It's wonderful to hear information that these home sharing businesses, I like terminology, new terminology, that we have 30 of those. And what I'm hearing is that that's as long as the owner is in the single family house and it is rented maybe to somebody, a, a back room or maybe a cottage. As I looked over the uh, information, the bar chart, I remember seeing something that said number of ads and then number of units, if I remember correctly. And there was a difference there. And so I just ask you to maybe ask and, and find out why are, is there a difference? Does, it, does that mean maybe these units that are available for short-term rentals are advertised on more than one site, but I think that needs uh, some clarification. But otherwise, I'm happy that we're getting a handle on this because there had been concern leading up to this uh, development of the ordinance in the years past that people were kind of just going in and out of our apartment buildings and, you know, who is that? So um, it's good to see there's some measure of control going on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Victor. Rafael Gamon. Seeing he's not here, we'll move on to comments. Uh, I'll toss it right back to Councilmember Meister. 
Thank you. Um, so the reason I was asking if these are considered businesses is because if, if they are, we may be able to require them to file an annual business tax statement. And so, and depending on the revenue, they may be able, they may be required to pay a tax to the county. Now, chances are they don't uh, have uh, make uh, enough revenue to have to pay a tax. However, if we require that they have to um, file an annual business tax statement, that's just another, you know, uh, a, another uh, piece of paper that they have to fill out, um, which may, you know, disincentivize uh, this a bit. Um, and so I was going to ask if we can give direction for the city attorney and for your department uh, to look into that uh, and um, and see if that's something we wanted we want to pursue. So I like to add that this 30 home um, sharing business licenses, aside from paying further a business license, they also are required to pay TOT, the transit occupancy taxes. Okay, this would this would actually be a county tax if they had to pay it, but it's really more about them having to fill out the business tax statement. And if they don't fill out a business tax statement and they are air you know, if they are doing short-term rentals and they don't have a license and they don't have, you know, this is just another way we can, um, uh, you know, deal with compliance. That's and, right. and disincentivizing people from doing it if they know that there's another thing. It's not only about the, the you know, the fact that they have an apartment, they're not allowed to do it, they needed to or they needed to have the registration and and pay the TOT, it's also that, you know, we're serious, this is a business. Yep. That's, that's what this is about. So if you could look into that, if my colleagues are okay with that, I would, that would be great. Great. Yeah, definitely. That's something we can check. Councilmember Hammond. I, I just want to thank the staff. I know we still have a long way to go in trying to get this under control, but you've, you've made a lot of progress in some of the ordinance changes you've brought before us. I think are helping, so thank you, and keep up the good work. We still, as I said, we still have a long way to go. And if there are no other comments, I'll move that we uh, approve or receive and file with the direction that's been given. Thank you, we have a motion and a second. We'll go to a vote. All right, five zero, thank you so much staff. Last but not least on excluded consent, we have item 2M, we'll have our arts team come on down. Temporary Park Public Art Exhibition by Zan Janet, how would you say her last name? Zweig. Zweig, thank you so much. Um, do any of my colleagues need a staff report on this? Nope, all right, why don't we um, do we have questions before we go to public comment? Comments first? Go ahead the comment. All right. Um, why don't we go to public comment? And so I see our first public comment, our only public commenter is Nick uh, Royball. Please come on up. Thank you, Mayor, Vice Mayor Byers, and Council. First, I want to shout out our Poet Laureate, Jen Chang. Uh, Jen is incredible and fabulous, and everyone should support Jen's work. The WeHo Times posted about a couple hours ago 
this project. And I would invite staff and council to read the 38 comments about this proposal. Majority of them are against this proposal and for reasons that I will now outline to each of you, including to staff. Public safety. Public safety, Councilmember Howman. Public safety, Vice Mayor Byers. Public safety, Councilmember Shine. Equity, access. Who will be able to access this art project? Not the disabled. And as if I think about our community safety and well-being strategy, in it was equity. Nothing about this project says equity. I will jump to language. Why is there only English? How many languages are spoken in this city? I will then speak to <laughs> why we aren't choosing local artists. This is an artist who has never been to WeHo, never lived in West Hollywood, doesn't know the meeting, doesn't know there are palm trees, there are Councilmember Heilman's blue orbs on the side that we could have used. So there are many, many issues. But, and, and then the funding allocation and the way the funding's being spent. But again, public safety and who has access to this project. Thank you so much, Nick. All right, we're going to move on to comments. I'm just going to look from my left to my right. Councilmember Howman, do you have any comments on this item? I, I um, appreciate the comments that were made by the public. And when I looked at the item, I had, I had concerns about its location. I know that you've sent us a supplemental um, memo or, or explanation that this is going to be moved away from the, the closest area to the traffic. Um, so could you kind of respond to that and explain uh, how this will be safe for people who want to go on the median island and um, interact with it? Sure. Um, thank you, council member, uh, mayor, vice mayor, council members. Thank you for allowing us to share more about our arts and culture programs. It's such a privilege. We never get to do this. Um, this project uh, was approved by the Arts and Cultural Affairs Commission. It is in the, the rendering that is included in the staff report is concept. And just that concept, it was just intended to give um, an initial impression of what the artwork could look like. Um, we, we have already initially shared that public safety is a concern. We recognized right off the bat that the, the, the proposed locations of the, those foundations for the, the sculptural elements are way too close to the edge of the curb line, and um, we are working with the artists to bring those in closer to the existing pedestrian path, which is ADA accessible, um, in the median of uh, Santa Monica Boulevard, Doheny. Um, it is intended to invite interaction. It's intended to um, invite people to turn the, the mechanism to change the words in the, the top of the, the art elements. And um, we will be, uh, in, in coordination with the artists, 
we'll, we'll, we're, we will review the, um, the final drawings with our engineering, building, and safety and our facilities teams. So there's a lot of more work to be done, and this agreement allows us to continue down the path to develop the design much as like a building is designed. This is just our, our concept uh, idea, and then we'll develop it further with reviews along the way. Just a follow-up question. Um, I mean, the, the artwork and the concept, I think, is is uh, very interesting. I have no opposition to that. But since it's intended to be interactive, mm -hmm. is that the best location for yeah. something intended to be interactive, as opposed to maybe along San Vicente, where people are walking by the park, going to the library, walking their dog. I'm yeah. just, and I know that that area along Doheny is really an entryway and we use it for art exhibits all the time and it's ideal for that because people see it when they're leaving the city, when they're coming in, but in the past none of them have been interactive in this way. So I'm just wondering, have you given that any thought moving this to a different location? Well, we actually had um, the opposite thought. We specifically wanted interaction. This, the, that median space is designed as a pedestrian path. It's designed as a meandering path for you to experience and participate in art. And we don't feel like any uh, past exhibits have been able to, to do that successfully. So when we, when we issued the RFQ uh, a couple of years ago um, to solicit qualifications from artists across the country, including West Hollywood artists, um, then that's what they were responding to, is that we wanted a day and nighttime presence. We wanted something that invited um, interaction and engagement with the community. We wanted something that, was, that could be enjoyed by both pedestrians as well as the drive-by experience. And we wanted something that could be enjoyed by all ages. And, and we felt like this was really an exemplary uh, project for that. Thank you, I'm gonna go to my left. Thank you, right over to my right. Uh, Councilman Warshine, anything? Yeah, I'm happy to hear that uh, there's going to be uh, movement of this uh, into the past to um, uh, to make sure that the path that is being used is ADA accessible. I think that's really important. Um, I, I I do actually like that. <laughs> I thought I actually thought, what if this was in West Hollywood Park? Um, it would be nice to create some uh, interaction there. So I agree with Councilmember Hammond's um, suggestion, um, an idea of, of that as well. Uh, we have a lot of folks that come into West Hollywood Park, and maybe that's something we can think about. I don't think it's ever um, a bad thing to add art in other places, other parks in our city, in addition to the meandering path, we are the creative city. So um, we have an incredible surplus in our budget and art, art, art is uh, wonderful. And uh, it would be amazing and maybe we can have uh, our next art display um, have multiple languages or maybe an, another language in another part of the city. Um, I'm not sure with this piece of art if that is possible, but um, that that brings up a really important point of uh, utilizing multiple languages um, as well. So 
Um, other than that, I'm supportive of this item. Thank you so much. Councilmember Meister? Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, the reason I, I pulled it is because, it's actually not the reasons that the speaker brought up, but because I think this is the wrong location for this project. It literally is sitting across from a hole, all right? <laughs> a lake There's, right now. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> a lake in a hole. And there is no pedestrian activity there at all. So you may, you may advertise this and, and it'll bring people maybe one weekend, maybe two weekends. You're not gonna get two years of activity there. You're just not. And so it's gonna be wasted there. It's different when it's art and people are driving by and they see whatever, but this is interactive, right? And you really want people to be out there. And why would we want them to be out there with a hole across the street? I mean, so my feeling is you either delay it for a couple of years until the hole is filled, or you put it someplace else. I like the idea of the, of the, the West Hollywood Park somewhere, or the library where you know, you're gonna get uh, all, all ages to, to um, uh, participate. Um, we have a lot of visitors to West Hollywood Park who aren't residents, so you're gonna get that mix of people coming to you know, see this. But I just think to put this, an interactive thing in a place where there is, I mean, Councilmember Heilman could tell you he runs t past, I know because I've met him when I, when I walk, I'm like the only pedestrian there. He's the only runner there. It's just, I, I just would hate to see us spend so much money and then you know, maybe have one or two good weekends and then nothing. And again, who wants to attract people to a location across from a hole? I, I just, I can't support the item as is. If you, if you bring back uh, the item with a different location, then, then I would hope to be able to support it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Councilmember Meister. Um, I agree with what my colleagues have been said. I want to thank the members of the public who spoke about this item. Um, you know, good deeds, good intentions. I think that the art itself is very interesting, and I, I don't really want to make comments up there because I believe I'll leave that to the experts, and I'm not going to move forward. I love the ideas of different languages. I myself have only been to that little median um, once uh, for the poetry walk. I. I wish it was more utilized, um, just in general. Um, I won't say whole again, but I'm just saying, um, I mean, but I will say, um, for me, the Melrose Triangle is the Melrose Triangle. That's a whole separate issue. Um, but I will say that just getting into that center area is just a complete nightmare. I mean, I think I ran across the street. Like, I was like, oh, there's no one here. I'm just going to run because the light wasn't working. And then I found out the light wasn't working, actually wasn't working. And so, you know, the work that we have to do and, like, that's you know, an able-bodied person, but what happens if someone actually wants to go over there, right? It's gravel, it's hard to, you know, kind of move. It's probably a little bit of a river at the moment. Um, but I think that, you know, I would like this, I think this needs to go back. I know you're asking for um, direction to move forward. I, I, I'm happy to have you move forward, but I think the step has to go back to the drawing board. And I think you got to come back to the Arts Commission with whatever, um, movement, uh, different location, um, maybe an item comes back on consent uh, to us or we are updated in some other way as it moves forward, but I agree. I would hate to spend $180,000, $195,000 um, 
on something that is really cool, really, yeah. If, and if I could. Please. The, the, the funding comes from the Public Art and Beautification Fund, which is a fund that is supported by development fees. Yeah. And they elect not to put art on site. And so we do have a vacant lot at that corner, and we are beautifying our median space to enhance our gateway experience. Yeah. So, and, and I, so I just want to clarify that the funding doesn't come from general fund. It is definitely earmarked only for art. We're, on, we're not under any right. um, misunderstanding about where the I money is coming from. Sure yeah, yeah, and for the public, that's a great point that we know where that money is coming from, but um, how we continue to do it correctly, and I think going backwards, I see Vice Mayor Byers wants to say something. Yeah, I do just want to say, I live right on that corner. I have a very different experience on the median and I've very much valued the art that is a draw to that area. I can appreciate what this art is doing in taking our attention away from the left side or the right side of the street and drawing us to the left where there are a number of businesses who I think would not like to hear us say that that's a very bad part of town. It's um, not bad, it's just hard to get over to. <laughs> there's many of us who live there already and are looking for more art in this space and I think this does a lot to actually draw people, activate people. I would love us to invite the West Hollywood Elementary School to do oh. a walk and engage in this art and I think you've also created something or this artist has created something that's sort of meme worthy and will have a life of its own in the digital sphere that I can just imagine taking off in a really exciting way where we'll have a static set of language and words there but people's opportunity to utilize that in the internet sphere it's just, it's exciting, it's sort of endless, and I'm excited to think about what that'll look like, and hopeful that as art tends to do, it creates and it helps us see things in a new way. So I, I don't wanna see us go backwards and redraw this and take it to a new park. I think this was envisioned as a thing to activate a space that is under-activated and has a need to be activated for the benefit of that side of town. So that's my sense of that. Thank you very much, so, Councilmember Meister. Yes, so I'll make a motion, and you know, I, I know that there are some differences in opinion, but um, I would make a motion to um, to say that we, you know, are moving ahead with the project in terms of the budget and uh, the, the 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 project description. However, um, we would like to see a different location that is that would uh, be more appropriate, which would be more inviting to. Uh, having, uh, you know, pedestrian activity and uh, interactive, the ability to have uh, a, a, a more, an interactive space that, that has more space as well. That, that would be my, I don't know if that's a good motion or not, but I, it's the I only know. one I got. <laughs> so if the motion passes, do we need to go back to the ACT Act, the Arts Commission, or well, if we I find guess, another um, location? Can we I just think come it's back a the council? question of process for how you would handle. I have been here just a little while, um, but I, I'm not, I don't remember the last time we've taken up an art project in this way. Um, right, um, I know. Um, so I think in terms of process, it should probably go back to the ACAC, or I would take the advice of the staff liaison and our, their, uh, and Laura or David on the best approach forward, because I know this is kind of uncharted territory. There are milestones in, in the agreement to bring it back to ACAC, so they, they need to uh, um, approve the final art plan. Okay. Um, right now, again, we're just in concept. Okay. Okay, so you'll bring it back to ACAC to uh, determine a new, and determine a new location for it. Lauren Langer. Is that okay? Well, I guess my question is the location is specified in the contract. Yeah. So is the direction to not approve the contract tonight? 
at this moment. Yeah, but well, I want to make sure I, everyone's I, clear as to what yes. council wants. That would to be do. a part of the motion. Would be essentially not to approve the contract and send it back to ACAC essentially for a different location. And then if the artist was amenable to that, right, mm -hmm. then we would find out. And it would come back on consent. Okay, to us. Yeah, and obviously we can't approve the contract if the, it's location specific. Yeah. So we would be, and I, what I was hearing is that there was approval of the art concept and that we'd like to see it move forward, but simply not at this location. Correct. At least that some yes. people were saying that, not everyone. Right. No. right, that was my motion. Sounds good, I will second that motion. And. Whatever happens on the screens will happen on the screens. Um, I'll second that. And then if there's no more discussion, we'll go to a vote. Are you clear on the motion, City Clerk? Yeah, it's to accept to return to the Arts and Cultural Affairs Commission to uh, find a new location for the artwork. Um, and then I'll work with staff because it may need to go to PFC as well okay. if it's going to go in a park. Okay, and it's to not approve the contract tonight, but to Correct. come back to us on consent. Yeah, so I removed everything regarding the contract from the previous recommendation. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, that item passes four to one. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Oh, yes, Ms. Beery? Yes, one more quick clarification. Um, as was alluded to by the council, this is a very important space for programming, and so we also will be going back to ACAC to talk about what a new programming might look like for this space. Wonderful. All right. And maybe not interactive yeah. <laughs> until the hole is filled. Right. You had to get one more in, didn't you? Ay, 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 I I'm tell you. I'm less concerned about that than the traffic zooming past yeah. on either side. I think. <laughs> I'm not going to say what I want to say. We're going to move right on <laughs> to thank you very much. That concludes excluded consent. We're going to go right on to the last public comment. Um, this time has been set aside for the public to address the council on any items of interest within the subject matter jurisdiction of the council that could not be heard under item one at the beginning of the meeting. So, Madam City Clerk, uh, I see three. Um, so I'm going to go and get uh, first general public comment, Nicholas Royball. You're good. Great. Sounds good. This is how we do it. Uh, second public comment, Victor Olmanchenko. And if you turn it into a song, I'll be at Ciclavia with you. Well, um, I, I did do, re Victor Olmanchenko, West Hollywood, I did do a bunch of research up on those items, you know, the 2H and the 5B, and I'd just like to add in that uh, I, I heard uh, Councilmember Meister say that she's a pedestrian in our Western Gateway, and Councilmember Heilman is a is a runner in our Western Gateway. I wanted to just chime in that I'm a bicyclist that goes by that hole, but I have used also the path going down, and I remember all of the different kinds of artwork that has been available to the, to the public, and it is a nice respite at that extremely busy uh, intersection. Um, well, now, Joining the 1414 is the bond project that you will be hearing more about, I guess, in the next quarterly report when staff comes back with the update on the current development projects. And that got me to thinking, between the arts, formerly called the arts project, 
and the 9,000 Sunset Boulevard building, there's been this huge lot that I remember has been empty for the last 20 years. It would be in the 8,900 block. It's where Mr. Green Jeans sells Christmas trees on Sunset. I didn't see anything in the staff report on that item, and maybe that's now finished or something, but maybe that could be added too. I'd like to know what's going on in the, on that huge piece of land. And regarding uh, the French market, that's interesting. I'm sure that, you know, that has historic impact. That's a very important building in lesbian and gay history in, in the city back when people were kind of afraid to even be out in the open in the 70s in that patio area. So whatever happens there with a the new tenant, it's good to hear that staff will come back with information about rehabilitation of this historic resource. And I hope that the Historic Preservation Commission is involved. And at the next quarterly thing, there was a movie made in 19, well, a, a novel written in 1811 by Jane Austen called Sense and Sensibility. I can't tell you how many of these brochures I'm getting from a group called Sensibility on Sunset, and I'd like it to come out from the dark, and I'm looking forward to learning more about it in the next quarterly development report. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you so much, Victor. Our last public speaker is Rick Watts. Thank you, Council. Rick Watts, City of West Hollywood. Uh, five items. Number one, um, I want to thank uh, uh, Councilman Heilman for uh, uh, for his appointments, uh, specifically for uh, uh, Joe Green to the, uh, the Disabilities Advisory Board. Uh, for those of you that have not had the opportunity to meet Joe, uh, comes with a great depth of, uh, of experience with disability issues, specifically with, uh, with HIV and AIDS. Um, so congratulations also to Joe. I look forward to working with him, uh, as do my colleagues on the Disabilities Advisory Board. Um, I, uh, um, while we're on this, just a reminder that there are also still vacancies on the uh, uh, Older Adults Advisory Board, and you have one very qualified, at least one very qualified uh, uh, applicant, uh, uh, Richard Leroy, who is still awaiting action. Um, uh, they, uh, uh, the OAAB uh, uh, needs a full board, and they haven't had one for quite some time. So I hope you'll get that taken care of. Um, and then, um, um, also, a request, uh, speaking of budgets, uh, and our recovered uh, city budget, um, that uh, uh, the budgets for, uh, for boards and commissions uh, could use some work as, as well. Uh, their budgets were, were cut significantly uh, because of COVID, and I totally get that, but we we're kind of beyond that, and uh, boards and commissions uh, need to have those budgets restored, uh, preferably with... Uh, uh, with funding to also take into consideration the not inconsiderable amount of, of uh, uh, inflation that has taken place uh, uh, from uh, 2019 forward. Um, and, uh, um, and then uh, last thing, uh, for those of you that are interested in, in, uh, in vehicle efficiency, I finally had to get my car refilled for the first time at 1,855 miles, plug-in hybrid. Kia Nero. Thank you so much, Rick. Ten miles, ten, ten gallon tank. There you go. All right, I'm gonna we're gonna move on to Councilmember comments and meeting attendance reports. I'm gonna start with Councilmember Shine. Thank you. Um, 
since our last meeting, I attended the, and spoke out at the Rainbow Key Awards, uh, the Greater Los Angeles Realtors uh, Association installation of their president and board of directors. Um, I participated in the Greater Los Angeles Homeless Count. Uh, I wanna thank my colleagues for approving um, the uh, item 6B and moving that to consent, which is a resolution condemning the conflict in Ethiopia and standing in solidarity with the people of Ethiopia who um, are essentially uh, experiencing a form of genocide by um, their uh, government. And so many um, children are uh, suffering and not able to have education. So I really appreciate that my colleagues um, uh, move that to consent and approve that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Councilmember Shine. Councilmember Heilman. Yes, thank you. I, before I give my comments, I would request that we adjourn in memory of the three service members. Their names were uh, Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, Specialist Kennedy Layden Sanders, and Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffitt. I would request we adjourn in their memory. I uh, attended the Rainbow Key event. I attended the Jewish dog screening. I uh, attended the Winter Sounds uh, event up uh, at uh, the uh, Pendry Hotel, and it was a great venue, and I want to thank all of our arts and cultural affairs staff for, for shifting it to that venue. Uh, I attended the Williams Institute and I, uh, their annual brunch, and I attended a number of other events, and I just don't remember, but uh, in view of the lateness of the hour, I think that's fine. <laughs> that sounds good. Thank you so much. Councilmember Meister. Thank you, Mayor. So um, since our last meeting, I attended the Southern California Association of Governments, Energy and Environment Committee, and Regional Council, where the Regional Council approved the development of the SoCal Greenprint. The SoCal Greenprint will provide data for informed planning decision-making and hopefully will provide opportunities for environmental equity and more balance among competing interests. I also attended the Rainbow Key Awards, uh, Plummer Park Ad Hoc uh, Committee, uh, obviously the Shepherd, the Jewish Dog, um, I wanted to thank uh, Councilmember Heilman for bringing forward uh, item 6A on uh, vehicular noise. Um, I, I don't know, I assume that this will also uh, include the fact that on Sunset and Beverly at 2 a.m. there are raceways and um, hopefully we can address the speeding cars that are contributing to the vehicular noise. Um, I wanted to announce uh, for LA County Assessor Jeff Prang, the, um, he asked me to remind residential property owners that if you own a home and it's your principal place of residence on January 1st, uh, 2024, you may apply for an exemption of $7,000 from your assessed value. New property owners will automatically receive a homeowner's property tax exemption claim form. Homeowner's exemptions may also apply to a supplemental assessment if the prior owner did not claim the exemption. If you are eligible and would like to apply for the exemption, you can access the claim form on the website of the LA County Assessor's Office. If eligible, you just sign and file the form with the assessor on or before February 15th. 
um, or before the 30th day of the following the date of the notice of the supplemental assessment, whichever comes first. Don't ask me what that means. I would say contact uh, LA County Assessor Jack Prang. Um, lastly, I would, just, I would just like to raise awareness among my colleagues and staff um, when we looked at this item on 3A about the number of affordable units that the city is getting compared to what we are giving away. Um, and I believe that it's really something we should be addressing in our lobby lobbying efforts at the state level. Uh, our city, uh, as you all know, had an inclusionary ordinance that required 20% affordable units with no incentives. Uh, and in the past 75 units, which uh, in this case probably could have been accomplished in five stories, would have yielded the same 15 affordable units uh, that we got tonight um, with the project that, um, that was approved on uh, Santa Monica and Crescent Heights. And so the project is actually yielding only 13.6% affordable units when you look at the total number of units. And yet when the city was, when this was all based on the city's inclusionary um, housing ordinance, we would have had those same 15 units with five stories and probably a lot happier residents. So it's just a shame that, you know, the city was doing its part, was getting the, the amount of units that we were getting without having to, to give away the farm. And uh, I just think that we should consider, you know, lobbying the state to say, look, if a, if a city has an inclusionary housing, housing uh, ordinance um, that, that um, you know, produces the same number of units uh, but without all the incentives, uh, that really should be taken into consideration with these laws. Um, so that's it. I'll get off my soapbox. And uh, thank you, and have a good evening. Thank you so much. Vice Mayor Byers. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, everyone, for uh, your participation in tonight's meeting. My attendance report, um, I joined the National League of Cities Transportation and Infrastructure Services Federal Advocacy Committee meeting, the Los Angeles Affordable Housing Solutions Agency meeting, and the Clean Power Alliance Energy Planning Committee meeting. Um, I was also happy to participate in World Kindness Day with WeHo Elementary. Congratulations to Mrs. Levy's second grade class, who reminded us that kind words are the music of the world. And there's some great videos of our mayor dancing to that door. Uh, you'll get it if you see them. Um, thank you to everyone who participated in the homeless count, and especially to our city staff for their leadership that night. Um, congratulations to the many West Hollywood businesses and organizations for being recognized by the Los Angeles Blade Best of LGBTQ Los Angeles, including our own WeHo Pride, and the city of West Hollywood for being recognized as the best in the many ways that we are. Um, congratulations again to the youth ambassadors with the One Institute, whose uh, amazing art history projects we got to see on display. You can see them too, February 15th through the 17th at the One Gallery. Um, and thank you to the city manager for listing some of the amazing arts programming we have to look forward to. I would especially recommend, as Councilmember Heilman did, if you get a chance to check out the Winter Sounds, um, thank you to the Pendry for being such an amazing partner. That venue is stellar and we're so lucky to be a part of it. Um, one last thing, uh, I found that in this weather, I, I don't drive anyhow, but it is especially nerve-wracking watching folks try to navigate um, the roads. So please, please be safe. And if you can at all possible, I recommend taking Metro. It's a really great way to get yourself a driver, get around safely, and it's not too bad uh, standing out in the rain for a few minutes. But it is a good reminder of why bus shelters are a really good thing for folks. That's all. Thanks.
Thank you so much, uh, Vice Mayor Byers. Um, in terms of meetings I attended, um, I attended, I did interviews regarding the Holloway, which was very nice, uh, following our council meeting after the last one at 6 a.m. You're welcome, Joshua. I was there, bright-eyed bright and bushy-tailed. Um, I attended the Chamber of Commerce Mix and Mingle at Ore Bar, a great reminder that Ore Bar is more than just a bar. It also is a, an amazing coffee uh, uh, place, uh, and that you can go there and have every type of coffee known to man, I guess. Yeah, it's great. It's crazy busy, too. But anyways, go to Orbar and have a coffee. You don't need to do anything else. Um, but uh, it, it was an amazing way to see uh, that space so full. Um, I also did uh, the Great Kindness Challenge where, there, where we host sheriffs and parents at WeHo Elementary alongside Vice Mayor Byers, and I'm, I'm dancing on my Instagram for sure. I participated in the Great Los Angeles Homeless Count. I attended the memorial for Sybil Zayden. Thank you so much, Councilmember Heilman, for putting that on. I hosted um, for a non-city related event, the Coffee with the Mayor at Dialogue. Thank you to all the amazing people I met. Um, I attended Pride at the Park in Culver City, um, where they started their first uh, Pride recognition for their students in their school district. I attended the One Institute's Youth Ambassador for Queer History event. Um, their students are just amazing. Um, I, too, was able to stop by The Shepherd, The Story of a Jewish Dog. Um, I accepted the awards that were mentioned for the Los Angeles Best in the Blade Award. Um, that was all in one day, by the way. Um, and then I did an interview with KPFK on homelessness, presented a proclamation along with Vice Mayor Byers to Thelma Houston at the Wild for Thelma Houston Day attended the Rainbow Key Awards. Congratulations to all the awardees and to staff. And I just want to give Moya a shout out. They really uh, rocked it and did such an incredible job. I know it is not a one-person show, um, but as someone who used to do that event, uh, went before I was on count, well, went before I was in many things, but um, it's not easy. And it was just one of the best ones I've attended in a really long time. And we'll get to do it again later this year. So. Lots of stuff to look forward to. I, too, attended the Plummer Park Ad Hoc Subcommittee, the CPA Board of Directors meeting. I presented Envision Church with uh, their 10th anniversary. And then yesterday, I attended the Celebration of Life for William Bill McNeely, uh, my former uh, older adults advisory board member. Um, I will be making an appointment uh, next month. Out of respect for Bill, I wanted some time to pass. Bill was very special to me and to many members of this community. And I, I miss him every day. Um, Additionally, I want to uh, congratulate Vice Mayor Byers, or should I say most committed activist by the Los Angeles Blade Awards. Um, and I have a couple of announcements uh, to make. Um, on Friday at 9 a.m., right here in this chambers, uh, we will be holding the retail theft and another fancy name subcommittee of the state uh, that the state has put together that Rick, uh, Assemblymember Rick Chavez-Zabur put together that we are hosting and that we, a part of our statewide lobbying efforts, have been able to get. And so I'm very excited at 9 a.m. Um, there will be a hearing by the Joint Assembly Select Committee on Retail Theft and Assembly of Public Safety. It's great to have it right here in West Hollywood. Um, and then in addition to that, I, I too want to echo um, uh, what my colleagues have been saying regarding uh, short-term rentals, but I want to bring up something that I think we need to um, look at moving forward, and that was the incident of Zoom bombing that occurred at uh, the SASE subcommittee. I, I think that we need to have a conversation as a council on what committees are Zoomable or not Zoomable or not anymore or phone call, but I think we need to have that conversation much like we did um, about in-person, 
not in person at a future meeting. Um, I want to again, you know, just say it was a, her, 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 uh, uh, an incident that should not have occurred, and um, I'm glad our staff and everyone uh, handled it appropriately. Um, and then uh, two public safety related items, a flash flood warning has been issued again for Santa Monica, West Hollywood, and Beverly Hills until 5 a.m., so please don't drive. If you don't have to, we'll drive home, but that's all I'm doing. Um, and then uh, the American Red Cross sent us an email, uh, and there is a 24-hour disaster dispatch number, and that number is 1-800-675-5799. Thank you to our security ambassadors, our sheriffs, and our staff for keeping us safe and secure during this storm. I'm glad to report not a lot of at all any damage but we don't know everything that could have happened if there's a little leak here or there um but i'm really happy and it's been great to see even our our security ambassadors still out there walking in the rain making sure our communities are safe and following that we are adjourned it is 10 15 and the next meeting will be on tuesday february 20th 2024 at 6 p.m right here in the west hollywood public park community council room council chambers thank you very much And we're really excited at the 